Welcome back to the Character Corner, uh, the last recorded Character Corner in 2017, even though you're probably listening to this in 2018. Uh, you, you are listening to us in the future. Uh, this is your host, Chris at Depop here, and we are back with another episode to talk about some of your favorite, uh, or lesser, not even lesser known in this case, but some of your favorite comic book characters and give you some of their history and Comic runs and just general discussions about comic book characters. And um, today we're doing a, a really special one. Anytime we do an X Men character or characters, I feel like they're always uh, really special. And um, it means more. It, it does because we, we care about these characters. And uh, we really love the, these are the characters I grew up with. And uh, we're really uh, going special with this one. We're, we're doing the Summers Brothers, uh, Scott and Alex Summers. Uh, you know, uh, Cyclops and Havoc. And um, just look at to let you know right now, because uh, we mentioned on the, if you listen to this, you probably already heard the mailbag. Uh, we mentioned it there. Uh, we're going to have to do a separate show on the rest of the Summers family. <laughs> just because. It's going to be its own podcast. It's going to be its own show. Like, uh, and it might be multiple episodes just to get with. We're going to, obviously, uh, when, when Deadpool comes out, we'll do some, cable. Some email address and Twitter account. Yeah, it, it just like but the Summers family is that complicated. It's very it's 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 complicated. Like that that's a family reunion that gets weird. <laughs> so we I know Shannon's on the uh, the gifted uh, reviews with us. She's here for the messiness. We have the messiness. Yeah, I mean, because technically, technically, Nate is not Gene's son. I guess. Not technically, she's not Gene's son. Right, so it just it gets very, you know. She's Gene's clone son. Right, it's just, you know. And that's a who was raised in the future. Right, by, like, yeah, yeah, protected by. By his time to place alternate reality sister. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's oh, man, just. What's so complicated about that? Yeah, that's, just, that's a, yeah. How's your family tree work? Right. Right, just you know, you don't have time travel in your family tree. Come on, stop lying. You know when when you when you when your son is old enough to look like your grandfather and shit, you know, has yeah. gray hair and, and right, take the just, picture, right? You know, uh, so yeah, we're, we'll be going more into the Summers family later on. I mean, shit, and that doesn't even get into the, the brothers. I mean, there's a third brother, you know, it's just like there's. There's so much. There's actually do. two other brothers first who were going to be. So the, the third summer's brother is a long. We'll talk about it during the show. Yeah. But it's a long running subplot of X Men comics. Yeah. So there's so much going on here, folks. So um, let's get into this. Let's start. Let's start with this. Uh, like, so one of the first things I, I wanted to do because I had a little notes here is um, it really feels like. A couple things with Scott and Alex. One, I feel like they both get bad reps, you know, in general public. Uh, but one gets no rep at all because one's Alex. Well, you're one's Alex, so he gets no rep at all. He gets no respect. And then Scott no. just gets a bad rep as the Boy Scout. And I think we we get the one half of it where we don't understand that that he's a true leader. Like, like, well, and, and at times Scott has been trash. Scott did leave oh. his. Wife and child in Alaska. Oh, don't Scott's get me wrong. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yes, he can definitely be trash. Uh, <laughs> but, but particularly, like you said, like the end of how he was written, yeah. a lot of it, Cyclops had a fucking great fucking point. Right. Um, and we both, we undersell how powerful they can both be. And right. um, and not just with their powers, but their bloodline. Because again, that summer's bloodline. 
Don't some good jeans or good in quotes because you can <laughs> it can definitely go bad. Yes, but um, yeah. So I, I, well, let's I really, start with the powers. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Um, Cyclops Scott Summers has a mutant ability to absorb sunlight and ambient energy. And I'm going to quote now loose. I'm going to paraphrase from the old school Marvel Encyclopedia. His eyes open our aperture to an unknown dimension and release crimson concussive energy from his eyes. Are you sure it's not heat? Because I've been following this writer named Gail Simone, and she just keeps saying that there's heat, and I, I feel like they're hot. At a certain point, this is going to stop being funny. <laughs> it's the longest-running troll. Yo, like, I love Gail. love Gail. It's, it's the funniest thing. it's funny. You know the funniest but. thing about it? Um, it's a longest-running troll. It's so good. There is an issue. It's like Uncanny... Oh, what is it? Oh, let me see if I can find it. It's an issue of Uncanny where it's, it's after he... Um, it's after Cyclops had, had like disappeared because he had bonded with Apocalypse. They do an Uncanny issue where he's like he's thought to be dead and he's talking to his father. And he's they're out like on a camping trip and they're yeah, meeting. They, they went camping together. They went camping and his father asked him, was like, so uh he, he put the wood up. He's like, So uh son, can you go ahead and do the little eye thing? <laughs> and he's, he's like, like That's Alex. Alex is the It's like the, it's the, they're Alex. not they're not they're not hot. He's like, you know, you don't even know my, how my powers work. He's like, Well, I mean, you gotta give me some credit. They are red. Like it's, it's <laughs> I felt like Gil Simone wrote that issue. Because it's just like Come on. The longest running troll. I'm sorry. Anyway, off rails already. Um, but yes, yeah, Cyclops can fire force beams. He's, like you said, a constant leader. He has been um, a staple of the X-Men since X-Men number one. He was Xavier's technically first, kind of second student. Um, he's an incredible leader, well-trained in hand-to-hand combat. As we talk about one of the issues we're going to talk about here where he takes down the entire X-Men on his own because Scott Summers... Low key is a badass. Yeah, we don't give him no credit. For and uh, yeah, and he has oh, and an, an undeniable attraction to psionics. He loves telepaths. It's the weirdest shit in the world. <laughs> he loves a woman who can read his mind. It's, you tell me what that says about him, right? Um, Alex Summers Havoc, similar power set. He absorbs ambient energy, but instead of solar energy, he absorbs cosmic radiation. So basically, everything the fuck else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it makes him incredibly it, so his body converts this into plasma radiation and plasma energy and he's able to direct that energy through his hands into plasma bursts sometimes you'll see Alex's powers used on like a wall and you see the wall explode that wall exploded because it became superheated at a very rapid rate not because it's concussive because as he'll remind you his powers are not his brothers um, Alex is different than Scott because he can't control how much he absorbs and he has to release it at a certain point. It's led to the creation of, for my money, the greatest superhero costume of all time. <laughs> um, you may all remember the black bodysuit, the silver headdress, and the concentric circles at the center of him because that's how they gauge his power levels. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And I, I did I, like that suit. Good. I did like that suit. Yo, it's one of the coolest, like, especially like for like 70s effects of powers. Mm-hmm. It's one of the cooler ways you can display someone's powers. Huge fan of Havoc. I'm, I'm, I am openly the, probably the only Havoc stand on the, on the planet. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. 
Um, yeah, he's like, I think that the, the, the thing about Alex and, and, and Scott is a couple of things. One, uh, early on, Alex always feels like he's running, he, he's living, I, it, it's the classic big brother, little brother thing. He's constantly living in his brother's shadow and having mm-hmm. to try to feel like he's, you know, he doesn't believe that he's the leader that his brother is, but as it's always going on, you see their, their paths kind of cross and then go in the opposite direction, you know, in a way you can say Alex becomes almost, again, they're different responsibilities. Alex becomes more the boy scout while, while, while Scott becomes more of the reckless, you know, renegade. And it, it, it's a funny thing to watch uh, as this, as they, their, their paths go down their own right. And then Alex becomes a great leader in his own right. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it, I, I think it's, when you when you look at their when you look at how their the parallels of their their development, it's it's great to see how writers were able to do that. That you know, as as Scott became, I don't want to say unstable, but as Scott became more reckless, more militant, more militant. Alex became more of the 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 the, the stable the stable Summers brothers the. The brother yeah, that you gotta remember, Havoc had those moments in the past. He's been a member of the Brotherhood. Yeah. He's uh, the shit in Inferno. Like it's it's interesting. You're right. How the writers inverted that in the recent years, culminating with the death of uh, Scott and uh, Death of X. Yeah. So uh, I think that's been a. Uh, it, it, it was it, it was interesting to go back and read that and see how because again you've you've known that but then when you read the issues back to back and you're reading all this stuff together you're like, huh, this is interesting. Like literally. Like Alex becomes like he be, he goes from being the reckless one to being he becomes Scott he becomes the leader that he never yeah, thought Alex he would be up to be what they wanted Scott to be yeah you know um there's that great issue I think what was it X Factor uh eighty seven examination where they man uh, it's it's one of the best comics of all time yeah and and you're reading like what Alex is 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 saying uh basically about himself and how he views himself. And not being, you know, like his brother, but it's like you kind of are, man. Like you, you're, you're, you're selling yourself short. He sells himself yeah. short a lot, um, and it, it was funny. I think it happened in um, was it in Kingbreaker or something? It's one of those one of those books where, where, where they're out in uh, in space, and and he uh, Polaris is they're they're talking, and he's giving this speech, and somebody's like. Man, he's he, he sounds like you know people. He, he always said that you know people always say that Alex has a lot of self doubt and stuff like that. But he sounds like he's pretty good there. And Polaris is like, oh, just wait, just just give him a second. He'll that, that self <laughs> that self doubt will creep in there in a second. <laughs> you know, any minute now, yeah, any minute there, just don't. You know, it'll be there because he, he is one thing he does have. You know, um, and uh, all right, so let's keep going. Uh, the early years. Early years, um, so their story begins um, kind of idyllically. They they are a they're two sons of a former uh, army pilot, and uh, they're flying to their grandparents' house in Alaska. When, as one as it happens in these flights, the plane's attacked by a Shi'ar aircraft spacecraft, and his pants are abducted, and the two boys are given one parachute to share and pushed out of an airplane. I mm-hmm. talked about this some on the um, gifted podcast review we did, but there are schools of thoughts around how mutant powers develop, and there and, and it's been posited before that in the books that they develop because of need and necessity, and 
when Scott was told to hold on to his brother and to pull the chute as they're falling, there was nothing free to break their fall because the chute didn't open. It didn't open all the way. And as they're falling, Scott's looking at the ground, and that's the first time his mutant powers manifest. The concussive beams slow their fall, and they survive the landing. The two boys are split up in foster homes. Alex Summers goes to live with the Blandings. Did you read X Factor Minus One? Uh, yes. Okay. So he's adopted by a family in the Blandings who had lost their own son. Um, in this issue, Minus One, <clears throat> it's revealed that he was being bullied. He, he being set upon by the same boy who had, who had killed the previous son. He said, I'm going to kill your the replacement son now, too. Alex is hoping for a way to stop him. He draws on the power from the only thing happening there at the time, the stars, and evaporates the bully. Literally evaporates. As the comes in, it's really kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're like, this oh, shit. Right. Like, did you really, did he really just? That child just vaporized another child. And uh, not saying the child definitely deserves to come in and, and he comments and says, You're not the son of the brother I need because while you may be more powerful, you always will lack control. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's it's interesting because they do this minus one issues in the late 90s or early 2000s, I can't remember honestly, but it was kind of telling you the backstory of some one of the leads of the book that you're reading. And this is one that kind of re reconceptualizes everything with Alex because Alex exists as a retcon. Mm-hmm. His first appearance is X-Men 54, I believe. Yes. First, first appearance dialogue yeah. is how they're talking about how none of the X-Men have ever... No, Scott's never mentioned a brother. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's got a brother. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, literally, it's, it's, so, it's so jarring because literally all of a sudden, he's going to... I think I think it's Alex's graduation is 54. So he's showing up. It's, it's some kind of thing for Alex that they, they're showing up for. And you're like, it's supposed to be his college graduation, which yeah. obviously has been changed because of some of the sliding time scales. But yeah, right. It's just like, wait, how do we, you have a brother? <laughs> and so, so his first appearance is Uncanny X-Men uh, 54. And then he becomes having his powers, I think, manifest in 58. His first 55 when 55, he's yes. taken captive by a Bill Farouk. Uh, the living pharaoh. Yeah, he's given he's given his code name Havoc in fifty eight, I believe. In fifty nine, yeah, when he gets the suit, which yeah. oh the suit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Alex finds out he's a mutant. Uh <laughs> a lot happens to Alex in a very short amount of time. Yes. And basically uh gets stuck with the name and suit Havoc. But let's 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 talk also about some some Scott stuff. Yeah. Because when he was when he when he was when they were split up. He was placed in an orphanage in Nebraska. Yes, yeah, so this, this is going into what? What? What was that? That was the classic X Men tale. A classic X Men forty two goes into the I think so, yeah, yeah. That goes into the orphanage stuff with uh, Sinister. So yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, they're split up, and he had Alex abducted separately, so that or Mister Sinister, who that's a whole other podcast. He's obviously uh, so. Basically, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Because I was, we were thinking about some of the villain stuff. I was like, can we do a Sinister one? Yeah, I mean, I could, yeah. Yeah, I think we can do a Sinister well, one because I think Sinister. Short story on Sinister he's a geneticist from Victorian England who met Apocalypse, who had mutant powers, and who was one of Apocalypse's chosen. And he's now this geneticist who's obsessed with creating the perfect mutant so that he can fight Apocalypse and free himself of his master's yoke. And he's identified the gray and summer's bloodlines as a particularly strong ones throughout the years. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Yes. He's just, and um, 
he's just, he's just everywhere. He's like you can't. He get calls right. himself Mister Sinister. Like that should tell you. Yeah, he's not really, really kind of one of those nickname. It's like the Black Mamba. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. You, you know what you're gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> you know his yeah. name Mister Sinister. Um, so when the boys were brought to the orphanage, Sinister was posing as someone who worked there, made sure Alex was uh, adopted away so that Scott would be emotionally vulnerable. Uh, Scott came out of his coma one night um, from the head injury from the crash and destroyed the roof of the hospital with an optic blast. The next time he woke up, he was it was a year later, and he was being subjected to a bunch of tests and experiments by Mr. Milbury, the owner of the orphanage, who was also Mr. Sinister. He hey. also, uh, at this time, put mental blocks on Scott and also played Scott's best friend named Lefty at the orphanage. If you're thinking, wow, that's a creepy amount of care to put into a child, Mr. Sinister, congratulations, you win the prize. That that is that is also classic Mr. Sinister. Like that again, like he has the name Mr. Sinister for a reason. <laughs> he is sinister. He 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 helped um bully Scott as a t- teenager, and uh, every time someone would come to adopt Scott, he would run them off. Or because he wanted this, he wanted Scott to be dependent on him. And when you say run him off, he also means kill. I, you know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, I'm just saying. Let's let's be clear about what running them off means. Like I was reading, that, I was like, wait, did he kill this family? Oh, he killed because there was that one. It was so sad. Scott was like, yo, I can't remember what the name of the family was. It's like they really wanted to adopt me. Have you in the in the in like the um the the woman there? And I can't remember if the woman is now as being Mr. Is Mr. Center as the woman who was running the, the the orphanage at the time. She's like, yeah, well, we haven't heard from them, and so if they don't follow the paperwork. It's something we can do. And like literally, the next little panel next to that is them dead in a crane uh, in a plane crash, and you're like, oh, you asshole, you killed them. <laughs> like he's very committed to his cause. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Anyway, Scott falls out of the orphanage and ends up getting exposed with his powers. Uh, falls in with a criminal for a second, but ends up joining up with Professor Xavier and becoming his very first X-Man. Um, the X-Men you're all familiar with, that's why you're here. To protect a world that fears and hates them. Scott was the boring one. Yeah. He was the leader. It was in, particularly in writing in the 60s, the leader didn't get a lot of Fanfare character development. Bobby was the comic relief. Hank was the brain. Warren was the playboy. Gene was, as is the want in the 60s, the girl. And Scott, I mean, uh, that was her personality in the 60s. She was the girl. No. And Scott was just the leader. And they've done a very good job of mining that kind of repression and responsibility that's happened later. But let's be real. At the time, he's just written kind of as boring leader guy. And that's how all leaders were written. I mean, it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah. They added some wrinkles with his, um, like, carrying a torch for Gene, which I thought was honestly kind of well done because he got to be quiet about it. Like, Warren was all flashy, and they're all vying for the affection of the only girl in the mansion, which, again, creepy. Um, and 60s. And very 60s. But, yeah, that was, it was, it was, uh, it was, Scott was the leader. Scott was the field leader. It was it was it was X Men. Mm-hmm. Everything you're thinking about X Men, that's what it was. And then in issue fifty four, he meets his brother. Yep, that we never mentioned before. But yes, hey, new brother, hey. and that's why I'll sometimes defend the retcon. Yeah, it got me Alex Summers. Yeah, no, hey, got my favorite X Men. Hey, you can't can't uh, can't deny that. 
Can't deny that. Uh, <laughs> after uh, Alex was released from the grasp of Bolivar Trask and the Sentinels, who gave him the chest display, who gave him the suit, he was then taken to Carl Lycos for treatment. Um, if you know the name Carl Lycos, because the X-Men only seem to hang out with supervillains, that is the supervillain Sauron. Mm-hmm. It's a mutant. <laughs> it's a, uh, he's an energy vampire. If he takes mutant powers... He turns into a pterodactyl. When I tell you X-Men comics are awesome and weird, this is what I'm talking about. Very weird and awesome. Very weird and awesome. Um, they, uh, there was, there was a, a good, there was, this is kind of the dead period of X-Men comics. So what happened was X-Men got canceled. And they would rerun old stories and X-Men classics and backups. And for the longest time, X-Men was kind of a reprint series. And then there came a change. There came Giant Size X-Men number one. I don't know if I can overstate how important that issue is. I mean, some of the most, the biggest name X-Men outside of the originals, that's their first appearance. Or, in the case of Wolverine, it's not technically his first appearance, but... I it's the first one with the characterization you'd recognize today. Exactly. Exactly. Because the first appearance in Incredible Hulk doesn't really it, it, it doesn't feel like the Wolverine we know now, but this is definitely him. So this is the second full appearance. First appearance of Storm, first appearance of Colossus, um, first appearance of Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Uh is it is it Thunderbird's first appearance? Is it yes? Yeah, yeah his first appearance. Like yeah, so it, like some of the biggest names you know, I think we mentioned Storm. Like some of the biggest names you know are from that issue. And Lynn Wine wrote it, Dave Cockrum drew it, and it changed comics forever. Yes. Because the X Men immediately went from a group of canceled outcasts to a international and cosmopolitan cast. Mm-hmm. Sunfire from Japan. They brought Banshee back. Uh, like we said, John Proudstar, Pyotr Rasputin from Russia, Kurt Wagner from Germany, from Germany, Oro Monroe, like from Egypt. Like they, they went and they did it on purpose. Yes. Very they wanted it to feel more international and 1975, May, they did it. Yeah, and it worked. I'm still I, I honestly like and, and the thing is, if you're if you're Lynn Wayne, do you come in and just pitch it like look, you canceled this book when it's 66 got canceled and uh, X-Men Volume 1, number 66, ran in 1970, in March. Five years this property's been on the bench. Let's give it a shot. And I'll say this, because we've, we've mentioned it before about, you know, oh, our team is the, the field for an X-Men movie. I wouldn't be upset if they field this team. Like, if this is the team you field... I, you I, a giant size? Oh, man. I, who's I, complaining? I wouldn't complain. Like... Like that would that would be a makeup of a team that next to the original five because we haven't gotten that one I'd be okay with like you if you put that team together I'd be like you know what I can live with that I can live with that because again like you said it's it's such an it's such an important comic and such an important team that they put together to rescue the old which is so funny about it if you think about the meta commentary on it they put that team together to rescue the old X Men so they literally rescued them from being canceled. So, <laughs> um, so the story behind their meeting or joining the X Men was 
The original X-Men have been kidnapped by a living island named Krakoa. This has all been retconned out around and up and down since, but the basic story was Professor Xavier had to find a new team to go save him, and he scoured the globe. Mm-hmm. And they save him. And at this point, something really interesting happens because the original, the, the, the team that got rescued, everybody fucking leaves. <laughs> yeah. Bobby and Hay- um, Warren goes to form the champions in LA. I think Hank leaves for the Avengers at this time? No, Hank stays. Scott stays. Mm-hmm. Alex and Lorna retire, which, at the, by the way, at the time, Barry had heard of the Superior Comics. And not retire to go be, to go relax. They retired to go get finish their degrees in geophysics. Which, oh, you forgot to mention that, that Alex has a, a a degree in geophysics. Which I'm sorry, I, I, they right. they left to go do graduate work. Yes, important schoolwork first, guys. <laughs> schoolwork schoolwork first. Uh, superheroes later. Yeah, they left for Nevada to where they would study, and we'll get back to Alex, but. He leaves for a while. He's like, I'm out. I, I don't want to be an X-Man anymore. Cyclops stays, of course. Gene left too, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. But Scott stayed. You know why he said he stayed in the book? He said, I never thought I'd be able to live normal life because of the uncontrollable nature of his powers. Which is another thing, too, that you got to get between the Summers Brothers is uh, a, a lot of times they're fighting. We, we understand how much they're fighting to keep control. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that, that, a lot. and that's a very important thing because when we get into the Scott and Gene versus Scott and Emma thing, I have I have some stuff about that. But I think it comes down to a lot of the control uh, and being comfortable with well, their own power, stuff like that. So. The traumatic event that shaped them involved them being thrown out of a fucking airplane. Right. <laughs> if you take a long view of this, it's actually pretty solid. Like, makes sense writing. Yes, absolutely. And that's one thing I want to say. These two characters are written fairly. That's the thing about strong bases for your characters. They can stay in no matter who grabs them. Yes. Yeah. And Chuck Austin had Alex for like a hundred issues, man. Yeah. I had to read it because my favorite X-Men was leading the X-Men, but man, it was Chuck Austin. <laughs> it was a tough run. Not going to lie to you. Anyway, Cyclops stays, leads. Gene leaves to go to fashion school, but is still dating Scott. She comes to the mansion, flirts with Wolverine, creates tension. We all know these stories. We all know these crazy things. But the first mission Scott leads with their team, Count Nefaria, Thunderbird dies. Yes. And it's the first time an X-Man dies. And it happened on Scott's watch. And so for everything we've painted about this character, this Boy Scout, this guy who is rigid and requires such adherence to rules, that's the first big shake for Scott Summers. Mm-hmm. I'd say the first was everyone else leaving. Yeah. So maybe the second. Yeah. Maybe the second. For Cyclops. Maybe not Scott Summers, but for Cyclops. As yeah. since adopted that identity. Yes. Soon after this, Gene, Professor X, and Banshee, and Wolverine, excuse me, were kidnapped and taken to a space station because... That's where bad guys had state had bases in the 70s, <laughs> space stations. Um, the X-Men had to go rescue them, of course, and then piloted back to Earth aboard a space shuttle they apparently had stolen um, during a solar radiation storm. 
It gets bombarded. Gene absorbed Peter Corbeau's flight knowledge. If all these names like Peter Corbeau, wait a second. If that sounds familiar, congratulations. You're a child of the 90s and you watched the shockingly accurate X-Men animated series adaptation of the Phoenix Saga. Yes. <laughs> I remember we were just reading this. I was like, "Wait a second! No, 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 they no, had no, a lot of high notes in that show." No, 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 they 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 did a pretty good job of 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 getting the overall ideas of some of these storylines. So they definitely. Oh yeah, they. I mean, they really you can't do the minutia because God, who's got that many issues, Chris Claremont, God bless you. But yeah, you're right. It was it was it was kind of the broad strokes version of it. Anyway, so Gene gets replaced or whatever by a cosmic entity known as the Phoenix. This, who is basically a fire god of creation, this, as predictably, throws a wrench on the Scott-Gene relationship. Just a little bit, just a little bit. The, uh, this is the first time also this, the, the X-Men really gone off world. Scott goes out into space and meets his father. So apparently... When his parents were kidnapped by the when they were attacked by the Shi'ar, they were attacked. They were abducted. Christopher Summers, Catherine Summers were abducted and taken to be slaves for the Shi'ar. One of whom was made to bear the child of the emperor. It wasn't Christopher. <laughs> Christopher broke out of prison and became a fucking space pirate. So, in a story where. Cyclops and Havoc both have cool superpowers, lead X-Men teams, and are and Cyclops is basically the leader of a dying race. The coolest one in the family is their dad, who is a fucking space, space pirate. pirate. <laughs> yeah, he really is. The Star Stammers is yeah, he is a space pirate and uh, their dad's Han Solo. Yeah, he <laughs> like let me just their dad's Han Solo. Yo, when you think about and, it, yo, when you think about it, you're like, yo, Fox, you have so much material you could have mined for an X-Men. You job. have Han Solo as Cyclops' dad. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't you use that? Because <laughs> you can go like, you can even lean heavy 70s and be like, oh, he left Earth and this is all cool. <sighs> like, because he's dressed like a fucking swashbuckler he, and he's got that weird wispy mustache. He's and so literally dressed like a pirate. Now, he's literally you play a that movie pirate. now, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's, that was cool when he left. Right. I mean, there's so much you could do with that. It's just... Oh. So much. All right, so anyway, out in space, they, they, they leave space, they, they, they find out who he is, it comes back. Gene figures out that Gene, he isn't, that Scott figures out that Gene isn't, isn't Gene. The Phoenix is different. And he then, in one of the coolest comic scenes ever, I don't know if I can put this on the list, but when she holds his eye blast back and then they enjoy a sunrise together. Oh, no, I didn't see that one. Well, there's at one point there's, he, he's very distraught over the fact that he doesn't think that he's connect with her anymore, and he goes out and dates. I think uh, Colleen Wing. Yeah, he does. I he got dates that Colleen one. Wing for a second, and they're sitting on a mountaintop. He says, "You know," she says, "What a what a sun." I think it was a sunset. She says, "What a sunset." He says, "Everything I see is red." Mm-hmm. And she says, "Take off your glasses." He says, "I can't take off." She says, "Take off the glasses," and she holds back his powers. And for the first time in X-Men comics, you see Scott Summers' eyes. Great little moment they threw in there. Um, as we all know, Phoenix goes bad. They have to eventually fight the Star Jammers on the blue area of the moon. Gene dies in front, or excuse me, the Phoenix dies in front of Scott. Oh, before we get, before we get, because this is be because I, I we got to do the uh, 
the the one twenty five to one twenty eight issues with him versus Proteus when he he kind of oh you're right yeah when he kind of I love that because, so they're, they're taking on Proteus and uh, Proteus is kind of um, he's kind of taking out the team a lot he's like he's really like demoralized the rest of the X Men so Scott I mean to the point that like Wolverine is scared like Wolverine is shaking yeah and so Proteus Scott is a, a mutant who was um, Warrior Taggart's son who had the power to warp reality within an immediate vicinity of himself. Yeah, and uh, and, and, could control, and could enter the bodies of other people. Um, and so, again, what I love about these issues are, it shows you, again, the early 60 issues you might not get, uh, Cyclops is basically just, you know, giving you the stereotypical leader, doesn't really get a lot of character right. development. As you move on, and I, I guess, was this Claremont stuff? Yeah. Yeah, this is the Claremont stuff. You really get more depth to, to 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 Scott, and you get Scott. You get to see why Scott is in charge. Like we we always bring up the, and we're going to bring it up later on the Assassin X Men run where you go, oh, this is why Scott's in charge. <laughs> but you get that a lot earlier. Like in, in these issues here, you get why Scott's in charge because Scott basically looks at around and he sees his team. He sees his team like I, I think Storm's arm is either bruised or broken. Like Wolverine's out of it. Uh, like Nightcrawler is is also like like the entire team is just down. So what Scott does to motivate the team, he knows he can't just give us a pep talk. He picks, he purposely picks a fight with Wolverine. Yep. He purposely like is call, and he then systematically uses Wolverine, and he, he then basically fights the rest of the team to get them in the right mindset. And then finally, he gives up. And he's like, "All right, guys, now that not, now that you guys are back to being normal, now that you guys are ready, we ready, we ready for round two. And it is. Again, it shows you Scott's leadership and, and, mm-hmm. and what he can do that, you know, we talk about how, you know, he's just a leader, he's just a boy scout. He can't, no, no, he knows his team. And so when you watch him pick apart his team, he like, he knows that, he knows how Wolverine's going to come at him and he uses Wolverine. He knows that uh, Nightcrawler is going to teleport behind him because like, he knows what his team's going to do. So he uses that against them to kind of take them all down. Uh, and and not hurt them, but also push them enough so that they're back in the right mindset because they just got their asses kicked uh, by Proteus. And so now he's got them working as a team together. And again, it shows you why Scott is in charge. It shows you why moments, he's in charge. It's always a show, not tell with Scott. They don't tell you that Scott knows a team better than anyone in the world. It's like, oh, we're just going to show you. Yeah. Yeah. They show you. They literally show you him doing that. And, um, and him knowing the team is more than just like how do their powers work together. It's tendencies, it's their personality, it's how they approach a fight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you get a later. Issue, I think this is after we'll, we'll come, come back to the Dark Phoenix stuff. But you, you get it. You get it again. I think in what one seventy five. Duel. Yeah. When he takes out Man. the he takes out the team again. I can't remember what happens there, but somehow the team. So so so. It's mastermind. Um, mastermind has masterminds the team that. Not only is Dark Phoenix back, he's actually vanquished Dark Phoenix. The wounds are so fresh. Not only is Dark Phoenix back, but he's now replaced Scott in their minds with Dark Phoenix. Right. And so Scott has to take down the entire team, which at the time I think is Kitty, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Wolverine, Rogue at full power, Mm -hmm. and Storm. Yeah. Pretty powerful lineup. (laughs) Yeah. He drops them all with his optic blast, a good right hook. And control over the danger room. Yeah. And and does it all, well, at the same time, not hurting them, but also 
not letting on to Mastermind that he knows that Mastermind is behind all this. Yeah. And he maintains his cover the whole time. It may, it, and it is, it, again, it shows you how, how tactical Scott is. It's the cool part about comics and thought bubbles. Right. 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 You, like, that's something that, that's always lost in the, in the, um, the film medium that they actually kind of pulled off for, uh, I mean, the Dark Knight Returns or the Dark Knight, yeah, Dark Knight Returns animated stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the voiceovers to kind of give you the the, the thought balloons. Yo, I need I need them to do that for the live action. I, I need the I need the voiceovers, man. I need that. That'll help. It, right. That'll like, help. Like, they could do this with Scott and make him a badass in one scene, but they have to do the voiceover. Like I have this um, idea. Like if Matt Reeve does, this, if you're gonna do your Batman film and you don't open your Batman film with like five minutes of voiceover of whoever plays the yeah. Batman while he takes down a bunch of enemies. You're doing it opening fucking wrong. Opening of Hush. Just film the opening of Hush. You, you're doing it wrong if you do not do that. You have to. Like There are certain things and certain scenes you need to see inside the mind of a character. And you're absolutely right. Like, look, look, the, 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 the late 70s, early 60s, I mean, late 60s and early 70s and even some of the early 80s stuff, you know, had, you know, overabundance of thought bubbles. They went too far with it. <laughs> but sometimes that shit was necessary. And this, that one, uh, Uncanny X-Men 175 was one of those times when I'm like, I'm so glad I have the thought bubbles because you can see what, you literally see Scott as he's processing what his plan is and how he's going to take down these people. Like, it is, it is an incredible thing. Like, he literally you know, he takes his entire team out uh, without hurting them, but leading them to where he needs them to be. Uh, I think because at one point, I think he ends up, he's left with Rogue, He's able to take Rogue out and then use Rogue to uh, to use Professor X's powers to, yes. to let the rest of them know what's going on. Exactly, it it, it, it is no. a it is such a <laughs> tactical way to do. It. And when you see again, you know he's going against like the rest of his team who are not out to stop him; they are out to kill him because they believe he is. Like they're lashing out. They just got done with this shit. Yeah. I can't. They're they're not pull, They're gonna. They're gonna they're gonna hit first and check for corpses later. Yes, and he and and he's able to go back and handle them without like it is it is an amazing little issue there to go through there. So anyway, I'm sorry we skipped over the Dark Phoenix. Now, so, so let's go back to the Dark. Yeah, Phoenix dark, um, dark Phoenix. We all know the story of the, the Phoenix saga. Someday we'll do a comic book about it. But it ends with the woman he loves dying in front of him in the blue area of the moon. Yeah. At this point, Scott kind of fucking snaps. Mm-hmm. And he leaves the X-Men. Let's go back now to the Havoc side of the equation. Because all this is happening, remember, Alex and Lorna left to get their geophysics degree. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying, because that's the sentence that was, they have a, their shared passion with geophysics led them to leave the X-Men. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at college. <laughs> well, the, the, the college in Nevada doing a lot of stuff in the field, and of course, because it's Nevada, they eventually happen upon the Hulk. And this, my friends, is time one of two where Havoc kicks the Hulk's ass. <laughs> Not many characters have done it. Alex has done it twice. Yep. They're out in the um in the wilderness. They're out in the and looking at rock formations because they're geophysicists. <laughs> so stupid. Um and and the Hulk's getting chased by General Frost as he always fucking is. <laughs> and he, I mean, some things just don't change. Like just like honestly, you could make that just a trope. And that's the other thing is this doesn't just happen. This happens in Hulk's book. Incredible yeah. Hulk 150. 
Hoxie's mm-hmm. Polaris thinks that it's his old lover, Janella, I believe, who had green hair as well. And he sees her with, Halleck, with Alex. So he picks up a mountain to throw at both of them. Havoc then focuses his power because because because, because that's how you that's how you get the girl you you used to love. You throw a mountain at her because you know what are you when doing? You get cucked, Chris. What are you doing? <laughs> He's a pure alpha, right? <laughs> no cucks here. Anyway, Alex makes him not only drop the mountain, but revert back to Banner. He's able to focus his power so intently. Everyone keeping score. That's one. <laughs> they obviously help out the X-Men when they need to. They helped out on Muir Island with Proteus. They helped out um, the situation with Arcade. But after Scott left the X-Men, he also swung by Alex's place in Nevada. And he decided to bring along an old friend. And that's when Alex met his father. I think Which is point, crazy. I think at one point, Gene found out first. Into, well, Gene and Storm found out while they were in space yeah. and didn't tell Scott. He found out later. Yeah. And then once he once he buried Gene Gray, he, on his little, I guess, sabbatical, he swung by Alex's and brought Corsair. And they meet and they find out that he has his grandparents are alive and they go to, uh, they all go to Canada to for a summer film reunion where Scott meets Madeline Pryor, a pilot for his grandparents, who's identical to his dead love, Jean Grey. Oh, nothing could go wrong from this. Look, man, I'm not saying like, like, maybe you're Scott Summers, like, my life is sucked, I'm due some good luck. The woman who just died? An exact clone. Hey, life. Like, maybe you look a good torso in the mouth. I'm just saying, but, but ask more questions, Scott. <laughs> ask a few more questions. Ask more questions. Because Madeline Pryor wasn't just a woman. She was a woman who was a clone of Jean Grey, who had been programmed by Mr. Sinister to infiltrate and fall in love with Scott Summers. They got married. Alex was the best fucking man. Which leads to a a more messy stuff later on, but okay, yes. Oh, super messy. Super messy. messy. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott, things get weird with Scott. Um, He meets his daughter... From the future and also timeline. Um, it's his daughter of his and Jean's. Mm-hmm. So your new wife would be less than cool of an alternate timeline version of the child that his previous love had. Which means that his previous love in that ultimate time was alive. And yes. In some other alternate timeline, she's alive. Yes. Um, I, so look, because uh, later on in the show we're gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with my villain agenda for for. I don't really feel like it's a villain agenda for for Scott. Uh, that does not count the stuff here. <laughs> Scott becomes kind of okay, a trash. Good. Okay, good. Scott, okay. Scott becomes kind of a trash <laughs> individual. Like he becomes one of the problematic men. Yeah. Madeline um, eventually has a child. Rachel finds out it's not going to be her, so she doesn't tell Scott who she really is. And the child is named Nathan Christopher Charles Summers. Yes, I believe Nathan he? because Mr. Sinister put that in Madeline's head, which is so fucked up. It's amazing. Yes. Christopher from Scott's father, Charles from Xavier. Yeah. Um, 
doesn't she have the she has the child alone? Doesn't she? No. Yeah. She has the child alone. It's like isn't is it an X Men two hundred? No. So uncanny two hundred. When did she have the child? Don't remember exactly. She has a child basically alone in the basement of the fucking wherever the X Men are staying at the time. Like uh, Scott Summers becomes so trash at that point. Like like, like if if your problem with Scott Summers it revolves around this part, I understand. <laughs> Oh, because it gets worse. And we'll talk about how it gets worse in a second. But before we get there, let's talk about Alex now. Because while Scott had walked away from the X-Men, Alex kept finding himself drawn back into their orbit. Um, when they were in New Mexico, uh, Alex stumbled across a brood star shark. And uh, he, he told the X-Men, hey, they're the brooder here. And Psylocke had to erase his memories because they didn't want to be found out. Yeah. Because Alex had been trained by uh, Professor Xavier, he kept having these nightmares about the X-Men attacking him. So mm-hmm. he left to check on them again, and this is when he finally rejoins the X-Men. Right. Because the X-Men had gone gone into hiding and, and had were hiding out and were presumed dead. But uh, Alex kind of kept having... No, they weren't presumed dead yet. They weren't presumed dead yet? I thought they were. No, that happened in Dallas. Okay, I'm sorry. With the adversary. It's about to happen. Because while Alex is meeting up with the X-Men, a, a psychic entity known as Malice possesses Polaris. And if you ever do a Polaris character corner, we're just going to have to apologize a lot because she gets treated really poorly. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. Like, not just now. Like, all throughout the series, like, the more you're like, God, they really put Paul, they put Lorna through the ringer, don't they? They really do. Because <laughs> she gets possessed by Malice. Uh, she gets possessed by Malice. And nobody seemed to know, but so they keep thinking that. Po- <laughs> so they keep. So they no, keep. That's my mouth through most of the eighties, right? So they keep calling her Polaris, and I'm like, but it's not Polaris; it's Malice and Polaris's body. And at one point, and you know that, and you right. And that's a, at one point, I was like, okay, maybe they don't know this. And then later on, you find out that they do know that Malice is in her body. So I'm like, so then why are you still calling her Polaris? That's not that's Malice. Then, like, you know what? Though? It makes sense. <sighs> I'm gonna play the same card Remy plays and talking about Joseph later on. I wanted to show how myself something different. Remy, no, I'm James. Sorry, dog. <sighs> Just, like it's hard. Yeah, it's hard it, to shake when you've been in your entire life. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, they treat they treat they they, they treat um, so, so like you said, Alex, not the greatest guy. He's kind of abandoned his girlfriend, and she's gotten abducted by a villain. Kind of. He said nothing to save her. Um, kind of. And, and child. And child. And, no, 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 no. This is just Alex. There's no child. Yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, you're right, 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 Alex. Okay. So well, in Dallas. Well, in, in Alex's he, defense, I don't think he knew at the time that, that she had been that when he no, finds he, he out. Found out later, he ran into her in San Francisco, I think. Yeah, and then doesn't do an anything. Issue. Yeah. So hey, listen, the Summers brothers and their and their girls, uh, they, they and their women, they 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 they're problematic men. They had they had problematic years in the 70s and the 80s. I'm just saying they did. They weren't the strongest. <laughs> Scott, uh Scott, at this point, duels Storm, who doesn't have powers, for leadership of the X-Men. And he fucking loses. Because she basically tells him to go home and be a family man. <laughs> Which, great advice. Right. That Scott didn't take! Right. Um, like Scott, he does go home. You know, when Scott's doing the thing that you do when you, when you have a child, you didn't want to have a child, and you realize you made a horrible mistake, so you bury yourself in your work, that's what Scott was doing at this time, yo. <laughs> Just like, really stressing them out. He gets sent home. He doesn't have anything else to do to distract him anymore. And then in the Fantastic Four annual, they bring back Gene Gray. And Scott Summers, being a smart, measured, well-trained man, 
does what any well-smart, well-trained man would do. He hides it from his current wife and then abandons his wife and child. <laughs> listen, listen, guys. And look, and look, look. Because I know later people come on and go, well, you know, she was a clone, and that's why he did not know that she was a clone of Jean Grey at this time. He did not know. Uh, yeah, no, Scott is, um, yeah, no, Scott, you're, you're, you're he, he fucked up on this one, guys. He's all wrong. And he abandoned the child. Like, even if that was a clone, that's still his baby. That's exactly. Still, that's, still, that's his kid, like. I don't know. It's not a great, not a great look for Scott, and really hard to defend. Yeah, no, you can't defend this. This, this, this is Scott. <laughs> this is the, this is the Cyclops. I will not and cannot defend, guys. I don't yeah, want to hear. Won't do it. Won't do it. Um, this is the nadir of the Scott Summers experience. <laughs> yeah, this is this is so, the, this dead be dead uh, Summers show. Dead be dead phase. Yeah, <laughs> as people go through apparently. Yeah, apparently. Um, but he goes back and you know the rest of the original X Men to form X Factor, which was kind of brilliant because they were going to, under the guise of being mutant hunters, they're actually going to rescue mutants in crisis and help them become functional society, though I really think they only pulled it off with Rusty and Skids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it was worth a shot, right? Um, X-Factor's the league of messiness because while the editorial edicts say, hey, we got the five original X-Men back together, tell some more stories, all their stories and all their villains are all tied up into X-Men. Yeah. So they start creating new villains, and this is where we get the first appearance of Apocalypse. Yeah, I mean they they, they create this 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 little um little this little known uh, X Men villain, this little known uh little known guy named Apocalypse. You know, wonder what he. If you're wondering who could think some such scale to, to use a, a villain with the name Apocalypse, Walt and Louise Simonson. Yep, because all the kick ass rock and roll shit from the eighties. Came from the Simonson household, apparently. Yeah. Which must have been the coolest house in America. Right. Like, holy shit. Right. You guys did Ragnarok and the Four Horse of the Apocalypse? Yeah. I want to say, I want to say, I actually think I have, I think it's X-Factor number six is his first full appearance, or maybe it's his cameo. I have that, and I believe I also have uh, the issue where um, Angel becomes Archangel. So I believe I actually own those somewhere around here. Man. Um, yeah. I think I've actually I want to say because I think what the Archangel one is what twenty four or something like that. Oh, I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, um, that might have been my first like first appearance comic I ever bought. Hmm. Um, and I really wanted that. I really wanted that. And um, yeah, like you know, uh, like I said, the, the X Factor stuff was kind of interesting because, like you said, they they basically the original they, they basically give you a way to have the X Men the new X Men have their own stories and you have Alex over there. We can now bring the original X-Men back and have them, because it's, it's literally, the, that's what the team was. The X-Factor team was the original five. It was Angel, yeah. Angel, uh, 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 Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Jean, uh, Beast, and Iceman. So you literally have them back as that team. In a great and, series of team uniforms, by the way. Can I just say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I really love strong team era uniforms. Uh, can I say I like the... Um, like I like the later black and red one that that Cyclops has, but I like the blue and white. The blue and whites are so great. I like I'm the sorry. blue. I like the. You're not gonna sit here and just talk X fashion. I like the blue and whites rock. I like his blue and white uniform the best. Like that's the second best uniform to no, me. When, like, they, when they're all wearing them too. Yeah, man, I fucking like that. I love that shit, man. I'm sorry, it's I do. Look. 
I, I do. Strong look. Uh, also, by the way, uh, just to let you guys know, uh, at this time when he forms X Force with Jean Grey and they're all back together, uh, Madeline is still back uh, at X Force. No, she in Alaska. She in that. Uh, she don't know. So she don't know. So and he, now the, he formed and, another. He formed another super team with his former lover, and he's running around being a superhero. It doesn't tell his wife. She has not no his, idea. Not his estranged wife. Not his former wife. Not his ex-wife. His current wife and child. Like you know, he saw Gene on television, didn't tell Madeline what he's doing, and just started packing. And peaced out. Trash. Trash. Like um, you're not gonna So get let's it. go back to the accident and havoc. Like I said, in Dallas, they're working um with oh, that's the other thing. Maddie shows up. Maddie shows up. Alex runs into her. Maddie shows up and starts hanging around the X-Men because her husband's gone. And she's with the X-Men when the adversary, who was a mystical foe of Forge, they had to stop him. And they give their lives to stop him. But Roma restored her life. And it was, it was on television. So everyone thought the, the world thinks the X-Men are dead. But she brought him back to life, hit him in Australia, and she also made him invisible to cameras. Because, yes. Alex then takes part in when they investigate the brood ship I mentioned that it crashed. They noticed that a lot of the brood eggs had been taken in by mutant hosts. And so there's a lot of these, these, these human brood mutant hybrids, and there was no way to fight them or stop them. And Alex kills a bunch. And this is the first time we see Alex use his powers in a murderous way. And you watch it over the course of, because Claremont's a genius, course of many issues, they tease out if he's really becoming more like Logan. If he, that's the fear. Mm-hmm. Is that killing's becoming easy for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you see that it's a, and again, like, because again, when, after he kills, I can't remember the name of the character, the, after he kills that, uh, the... Uh, Harry Palmer? Yeah, there you go. Uh, he changes back from the brood form to his human, human. form. And he's just, Devastated by it, you know, and again, you know, even though he saved, he was saving people, and was it Logan that said something was like, "Listen, man, you, you put him out of his misery. Like he needed this is what yeah. had to happen. Like he was already dead the minute that this happened." So yeah, no. Interestingly enough, Havoc and Logan become friends, even though uh, Cyclops and Wolverine do not get along. Um, yeah, so listen, because so, I, I, mean, I know we're going in chronological order, but I did read uh, yeah. the Havoc and Wolverine. Meltdown issues, like the little yeah. little mini series. It's a great mini series. It's a little great mini series. Again, yo, we talk about the overabundance of uh, Wolverine stuff, but man, listen, Wolverine has these great moments where he bonds with the younger members of the team, uh, whether they're male or female, and you put these little mini series out with him, and they're fucking good. And and, and, and you know what? It was Simonson as well, wasn't it? Simonson wrote that. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, yeah, that's, that was a, another little good series there, and you're right. I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that, yeah, Alex and, and Wolverine become good friends, and Scott and Wolverine. He's serving on Alex's Avengers team. Yes, yes. Um, but before that, Madeline Pryor's watching TV, and she sees Scott with Gene. God, what a um, Yeah. This don't go well for nobody. <laughs> um... So when we tell you that people people are like, oh, well, X-Men Avenger stories, when I tell you that X-Men events used to get piggybacked on by other comic books, 
Inferno was supposed to be a Marvel and X Men event. Inferno spread to Avengers. It spread to uh, Spider Man everywhere because Madeline Pryor made a deal with the, with Sim, a demon, to get back at Scott and Jean. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave her the magic to do it. She seduced Alex. Yes. And uh, she became the Goblin Queen, and he took him as Goblin Prince. Yes. The details we will suss out at a later date, I promise. But that is all you know about Alex's participation in Inferno. Yes. <laughs> he wears a loincloth a lot. Yes. Um, um, yeah. X-Factor, um, at this point, he is... He felt bad about abandoning his family. <laughs> you think? And, um, but he got over it <laughs> easily and got closer to Gene again. <laughs> and, uh, they fight to bring Angel back from being Archangel back in their lives. And, uh, yeah, they get, everyone gets reunited. They, they team up to end this infernal disaster. And the first time we get to see Scott confront Mr. Sinister. Yes. And that's just a great series of books, in my opinion. Yeah. That, so so this whole thing goes, I think, what, ooh, 233, because it ends before Inferno, it, but it starts with 233. It ends in X-Factor. Oh, oh sorry. What do you say? Yeah, it starts in, two, we, we start with, because I think we start with the, it's like uh, Uncanny uh, 233 or something like that is when we do with the brood stuff. You go through Inferno, and then you write, it ends in, I think, X-Factor 38, 39. 39. 39. Yeah, is the last one. And, um, it's the first time in continuity we've gotten this. Like if you're going chronologically as a book's release, the first time we've gotten this look into Scott's past and look into what happened at the orphanage. Yeah, Sinister takes Sinister first confirms that uh, Maddie was a clone of Jean Grey. Like what, what, what you basically find out is Mr. Sinister has been behind all of this. He created Maddie, and uh, you know he basically decides he's going to throw her away because now that. One, he has the child. He's trying to get the child, Nate. And also, well, now that the original Jean Grey is back, he doesn't really need Maddie anymore because that's what he needed. He needed the... He, he created Maddie because he thought that he had lost um, the bloodline, the Grey bloodline to, to with, with Summers. But he's like, oh, now we have her back. We don't need you. Uh, so he confirms that. He also confirms that... Um, Basically, it was it was me <laughs> in the orphanage when you were there, and um, yeah, Scott does not take that well. So from here, things get really rough for Scott. Should I? Who's he get rougher for? Scott or Alex? I'll go with Scott because you know what, Scott's is. Di- well, Alex, Scott kind of had it coming. Was, Scott kind of had it coming, so I'm gonna say it get rougher for Alex because Scott. Let's let's finish up Alex's piece because okay. it's not much more because after Inferno, the X-Men go back to Australia. They fight the Marauders to try to free Lorna from uh, Malice and they get captured by Zaladane. And it, it ends with them going through something called the Siege Perilous. And the Siege Perilous says you can walk through it and we, we get a new chance at life. And this was going to be the chance to walk through this as opposed to dying, fighting the Reavers. Mm-hmm. And they walk through and we don't see Alex for a while. He does reemerge as a magistrate of Genosha, working in Genosha as keeping the mutants in, in line, one of the state-sponsored mutants, if you will. And 
We'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to that. So, Scott, after Inferno, things have gotten cleaner for Scott in his opinion. The first wife is dead. <laughs> well, she is. I can't how we put it this way, but yes, you're right. The woman he's cloned from, she's cloned from, is back. And the baby's still here. Yeah, and, and, and he's accepting, and she's accepting of the baby. Like, it's like, oh, well, you know, well, technically you didn't cheat on me. We, te- technically, it's my clone, so it's all the same, right? It's my child. So he eventually proposes to Jean, and she says no. Because when Madeline died, she got the memories of both his proposals to the Phoenix and proposals to Madeline. <laughs> so, makes sense. Um, so she decided that, you know, not the time... They eventually find out who Rachel actually is, and then let Christopher meet his sister. And then things go horribly fucking wrong. Nathan's kidnapped again. If you see a pattern, congratulations. This time by the Riders of the Storm, which I get you couldn't go horseman again after you just rescued Angel. Riders of the Storm is a really stupid doing team name. Yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Sinister had the nasty boys in the 90s. Yeah, I forgot about that. Right, Runner's Storm was pretty bad. Um, they take him to Apocalypse, knowing that he was originally supposed to be used as a weapon against Apocalypse. Apocalypse gives the child a techno-organic virus that would kill him, and then a woman appeared named Sister, Sister Ascani from the 37th to 39th century who said he could save, she could save his son, Scott's son. <laughs> come Scott with me, decides come with me if you, Come with me if you want to live. That's what we like, no, no, not come with me. Give me your child if you want him to live. Right. <laughs> Scott decides to let his son live in the future than die in the present. It, it broke both Scott and Gene's hearts to watch him leave. Then, then a whole bunch of stuff happens. And I don't, the bottom line is the X-Men come back together. X-Factor and X-Men decide to come back together in the mansion. The X-Factor now is spun off into a government-run team led by, it's Extinction Engineer. I don't want to talk about it right now. That's bottom line. Muir Island happens. Alex becomes the leader of an X-Factor state-sponsored team. Silas was the leader of the blue team of X-Men. And for, you know, a while, things are fairly stable. Obviously, you got hero shit, but, like, it's things are going well. It's kind of for both of them. Cyclops gets married. He ends up going into the future with his wife to raise Nathan. Yeah, the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of, yeah, they, <laughs> it's they hard basically, to yeah, it's hard to, they literally, on their honeymoon, they literally get transported to the future to raise baby Nathan in, in, in the, in the future and basically teach him how to uh, use his powers so that he can hold a techno virus at bay, which is what, could you kind of forget that about, about Cable, that he's literally using half of his powers to keep his body up from falling apart, from being infected mm-hmm. with the technovirus. Uh, so that's how powerful Nate Nate is. But we'll get into Nate later on in another character corner. And, yeah, and so Scott and Gene are sent into future bodies under the name Slim and Red. I swear to God. I no, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm going, did they really just use the nicknames that fucking Logan uses? for? Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. Because I saw Slim, like, did they really call him Slim? Like, son of a bitch. With a Y, though. That's how you With know, a Y, right, 90s. right. So nice. <laughs> July here. Um, they, uh, yo, you know what? I'm not going to lie, though. If they had called, I know they had to call it the Avengers of Cyclops and Phoenix, but if they had called it the Avengers of Slim and, Slim and Red, <laughs> that, that would have been I awesome. I mean, 
wouldn't have sold as well, I don't think. It wouldn't have sold as well, but like <laughs> it would have been a better name. I, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna lie. I like they, that name. They get to raise Nathan for 12 years. Yeah, that's the other thing too. They're, they they literally live a 12 year life in the future to raise him to be. And again, we'll get more. Into, I, I feel like you're right. We should get more into that series when we talk Nate because it really does go into a yeah, lot of stuff. That's a Nate, Nate. It's really, it's, a really Nate book. it's really a Nate book, but it's it's what happens. On the other side of the X Street, Havoc is leading X Factor. They're working for the government, so there's kind of that tension of mutants for the government. But it's it, it's going fairly okay. Um, there is a issue examinations that's touted by many people as one of the best comics of all time where they send the team to therapy. And you get Alex really talking about his feelings about his brother. Yeah. And it's, I, I thought it was really well done because all the things, it was able to make text and subtext into text. And you see, he says, why don't you, why don't you, he says, I wonder how I measure up to my brother. Why don't you ask your teammates? I'm afraid what they'll say. Yeah. It goes back to the whole thing about the, um, the self-doubt that he's always had. Mm-hmm. He's always been trying to live up to what his brother is and what people believe his brother is and how he's not the leader or the man that he believes he is, you know? Well, hell, he, he even loses... When, when Jamie Madrox dies, mm-hmm. Madrox dies of the legacy virus. It turns out to be a, a dupe, but... And, and Havoc leaves the team. Yeah. So here, here from, from, from 86, there was a, I, I always feel like I'm playing catch-up with him. So I've been tense, maybe even detached, like I'm not living in the here and now, but instead I'm trying to stay two steps ahead of everyone so that I don't screw up. I feel like I'm always being judged by Scott, y'all, Lorna, and the team, and I wonder, and I keep wondering how I measure up. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's something that's always on his head, it's always on his mind, and that means makes what happens next. An X Factor seemed to make sense. Mm-hmm. So after the Age of Apocalypse happens... In X Men Prime, we get to look back into X Factor and Havoc's powers no longer in control. He ends up having to wear the regulator costume again, and Havoc is apparently brainwashed and taken to become one of Dark Beast lackeys. And so we get eventually you get Alex and Cyclops fighting on a passenger plane, which is always fun. But Havoc ends up in the employ of Onslaught, and that's a whole. It's so weird to touch on all the X Men stuff. Right. Because so much happens. Yeah. Like, Cyclops has to fight evil, evil Xavier. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cyclops has to fight his brother. Which, oh, we never mentioned that about that, about their powers not really technically oh, not working. Their powers don't work on each other. So yeah. what happens is, is, is whoever hits the other one, they just get more powered up. Yeah. <laughs> it's used to their advantage in um, X-Factor 39 we touched on. Mm-hmm. That's how they dropped Sinister the first time. But yeah, that's something that's very important for them. But so Cyclops, he's an X-Man. He's doing the he, Operation Zero Tolerance happens. And he decides to leave the X-Men for semi-retirement. And we'll get back to him in a second because this is when the biggest thing happens for Alex. So after becoming, after um, being under, underground with the Brotherhood for long enough, he comes to the surface and says, you know, we're going to start restart X-Factor. And he's apparently killed in an airplane crash. Yes. Alex got sent to another reality to go be the lead in a comic book called Mutant X. There's one book in this reality. It's Mutant X. And they told an entire universe using Alex Summers as the fulcrum. Yeah. And it's actually 
I can't believe it happened. It's actually, I actually enjoyed it. It's good. It's so different. And in, in, in every place where it's different, you can see where it makes sense. It, it's jarring at first, but mm-hmm. Very it's, much so. it, it's good. And I don't think it's on Marvel Unlimited. I don't is it think, not? I don't think it is. I think I had to go find mm. other means to get it. Yeah, it sucks. Mutant X is not on Marvel Unlimited. And it's very weird. Even some of the... Um, the late, some of the X Force stuff is not all the X Force stuff is not on Marvel Limited. It's uh, we like we were we were some yeah it, it was definitely tacky. Yeah, Mutant X is not on here. Hmm. Well, Cyclops is eventually huh, he's possessed by Apocalypse, and then he's unpossessed by, and then he dies and come back to life. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. You the get bottom the, line, like yeah, <laughs> the, it, yeah, and then you get the search for a uh, search for Cyclops as you for. It, it's very weird. It's a very the things that matter most next are the Grant Morrison run. Yeah, you don't need you don't hear the thing. You don't need to read about him being possessed by Apocalypse. At you all. just need to know that it happened because you know. So and this is where I get into my the my my Emma and Jean stuff because again it's going to come up when the Grant Morrison stuff. A lot of people point to Emma as being the, the the thing that changed Scott. No, it was being possessed by Apocalypse. Being possessed by Apocalypse changed how how Scott looked at things and his personality a little bit. And so he comes back, but he's different. And so in the Grant Morrison run, you start seeing the tensions between him and Gene, and they're basically growing apart. You know, they, 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 they aren't having sex. They are, they, they basically don't have intimate contact. Like Scott's already started growing apart. And because Scott is Scott and doesn't know how to talk about his feelings, which is weird because he dates telepaths. It's weird. And what happens is she's a God level telepath, which is weird. Right. Um, and so what I see, and we'll get more in details as we go into the Grant Morrison stuff. What I see with Emma is Gene Scott were it almost feels like almost like an arranged marriage. You have the, you know, the the couple that's supposed to be together, and it, like this is your life, and you're he's the thing with him and Gene where they were both ha- very very powerful, and it was all about control. Both of them had to worry about control, and and if you go too far, if you give too much, go give too much in, you could hurt people, and you and that's got to be the top thing you have to worry about. Emma gives Scott something different, and it's basically that, hey, you know what? You're good enough to you. I'm not worried about you hurting me. I'm not worried about you hurting everybody else. You're good enough to control yourself. You don't need to always be worrying about control. That is what you can do. You can, you can, you can, you can be something. You can, you can be your true self. You can, you can. You don't have to be what other people believe you're you're gonna be. And I think that's what drove him with with Emma. And that's the difference between him and him and Gene. And I think Gene, I think him and Gene just grew apart. And I think it was actually best for both both characters, to be perfectly honest. I think it was. Hard disagree. Not going to do that right now. Hard disagree. Hate Emma. You hate um, Emma? I don't. I, 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 love the, I love the Emma stuff. It's yeah. good. It's good stuff. I don't like Emma. Oh, well, I mean, you don't have to like her. I mean, hey, look. I've never trusted Emma. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm not saying I like Emma. I'm not saying that you should trust her. I'm just saying I understand. <laughs> Different, <laughs> Fair enough. Different thing. Fair different, enough. Different thing. Look, 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 look. No, no, no. Because there's the again. There's the, the great moments between Gene and and Emma. And don't get me wrong, Emma and Scott are definitely wrong here. Again, I'm. This is not where the, the villain agenda stuff comes in with Scott. Scott and Emma are definitely wrong, and they are definitely cheating. All right. 
Oh, yeah, that's a, that, I, that was never a prediction. <laughs> right. That, that, that is, it was only in her heads. Uh, you're a telepath. She's a telepath. A te- no, no, Scott, that's not what you say. Although I will that say. That sounds like an admission, Mr. Summers. Although I will say, in Scott's, one thing in Scott's defense, I believe he did see uh, a Gene kissing uh, Logan. So That doesn't open the door for a second, you Huh? I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying, just got to get the point in there. I believe he did see that her throwing herself at at Logan in the woods. So I'm just saying, not saying it's fair. And I'm not saying, look, here's the thing. I am not saying that the woman who can who has been possessed by the Phoenix Force is somebody you should cheat on. I'm just saying, and I think that's my biggest point. Right. I'm just saying that's not the that's not a fight you can win. And and your new girlfriend. It's not going to win that fight either. So, yeah, no, 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 no. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't under, first of all, I don't understand how you cheat on the telepath to begin with. <laughs> it just seems like that's, a, that's like I want to get in trouble. Right. That's that I, I, I want to get in trouble. That's like you call cheaters yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. What? Yeah. It's me. Just I turn my location me. on. You can go ahead and find me. I'm, I'll be at this location at this time. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. So, like you said, um, Emma, Emma and Scott do the whole sorted romance, and, and and Jean finds out, and then Jean dies, and she gets that psychic nudge in the future, telling him to be with Emma. It worked, kind of, because the school changed; it had to grow. The, and I, what I like about this era of X Men comics is because now it's where the ideas have always been there, but now it's time for the ideas to grow and change. Yes, and and. And the change is where I then become like Psyhop is right. Like, well, this is also where the return of Alex is. Alex comes back at this point too, because mm-hmm. his brain gets shifted from the mutant next reality back to our reality and becomes a leader of an X Men team. Yes, and it's 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 kind of dope to see Alex on the main X Men team again for a long time. And but then their brother shows up. Now you're saying. Wait, X-Men, you guys have talked about Summers Brothers. In X-Men, I believe it's 25. Maybe it's 20. Mr. Sinister is talking to Scott Summers. And he says, I've always been fascinated by you and your brothers. He says, what? He says, your brother. No, you said brothers. Oh, I slipped. It's a line of dialogue that has fascinated X-Fans for years because, as we all know, Sinister... She doesn't fucking slip. No, he does not. And for years, it was rumored who Fabian got taken off the book before he could reveal it. it was who the third Summer Brothers be? Long time rumors, and you may have seen it carried out in the um, non canonical X Men the End series. Had it being Gambit. The original intention was, and you may hear my '90s X Men fans, Adam X Extreme was him. <laughs> Adam X Extreme. <laughs> he was the third one. But it turns out that there was an actual third summer brother. They, they retconned in from day, from um the new the, the Giants and X-Men, saying that there was a, there was a, another team of X-Men who came and failed to rescue the original team. And they were only survived by the third summer brother, Vulcan, who had the power to manipulate energy. So he's significantly stronger than either Alex or Scott. Scott, during his time at the head of the Xavier School, learns that, like we said, Charles wasn't as bright and shiny as he thought he was and had actually hidden this entire event from Scott's memory. To this point that Scott casts him out of the mansion and says, don't come back. 
They find Vulcan. Vulcan ends up leaving for the Shi'ar um, star, star system so that he can take back what he says is rightfully his as the son of Dekin. Well, Alex decides to follow. And Alex decides to go to space to find his brother. And, uh, yeah. And Alex loses. Yeah. <laughs> Alex's whole team loses. And Alex is locked in the bottom of a, of a center of a planet as far away from cosmic energy as possible. Eating food through a slit. We'll get back to Alex. On Earth, Scott decides that the black leather is making people uncomfortable. And that's when we get the Chris, or excuse me, the Joss Whedon Astonishing X-Men run. Mm-hmm. Where we really get the first character study on Cyclops. Well, you talk about that because, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's you. Uh, you know, we obviously get the. There's some great moments here where you see why Cyclops. Is, and matter of fact, I think the last, the last volume, he doesn't have his powers when they go to space. Nope. Yeah, he doesn't have his powers, but you still see Actually, why. Don't shoot people. Right. <laughs> but you see why uh, Scott is in charge in that he's more than his powers. He, he is the natural leader. He can come up with a plan. He can execute that plan. And he's fearless. Like, this is why Xavier put him in charge of this team and, and put him in charge of the X-Men because he can he, he, knows, he knows how to lead, and he is. Um, you also get more... Uh, uh, fuck ups by Charles Xavier because one of the things that happens in a lot of, a lot of these late, later issues is you start seeing the mistakes of Charles Xavier, and that, uh, and you don't get it here, but I guess you get it later. You start getting Scott to be a little bit more dil- disillusioned with what Charles told him. There's only so many times you can take the the, the shine off the apple, right? Because and you got to think about it. And, 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 and this really kind of informs the later issues of, of, of with Cyclops is Scott was a true believer. He was a true believer of Xavier's dream. And it's one of those things of, you know, he was the Boy Scout. He was the leader. He did all these things. Yes, he fucked up. Yes, he made his mistakes in, in his personal life. But when it comes to being an X-Man and being, you know, the leader of the team, he did what was necessary to follow the Xavier's dream. And then he mm-hmm. finds out all these, these shortcuts that Xavier was taking from, from uh, the sentient danger room to things with his brother, like all these mistakes that Charles Xavier's made that later come back and, 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 and not just the, the, the come back to bite the X-Men in the ass, but that Scott himself has to go back and fix. Why am I fixing your shit, old man? Right. And oh, I, when, when, oh, World War Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Another one. You know, Scott's finding himself having to go back and fix a lot of mistakes that Charles Xavier had to make. And okay, this, is the, this is the beginning of the turn for your villain. Oh, this is, the, this is the turn. This is where it happens. All right. Fair enough. I, went, I, I, was, I thought it was. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Wasn't sure. Oh, no. This is the turn. This is, because what happens is you start getting Scott realizing that, yo, this is my fucking team now. I'm cleaning up all the messes. I'm. I'm the one going on here. It's that thing that we talked about with Last Jedi. Like, you know, uh, they are, uh, we are what they grow beyond. Like, Alex, uh, sorry, Scott grows beyond Charles Xavier. Like, the X Men are his team. 
you know, and and Charles Xavier is still trying to treat uh, Scott like he's still the wet behind the ears kid that that listens to everything he says. And Scott's like, "Yo, Charles, you need to fall the fuck back. This is my team." Which is what he tells Scott, what he tells Charles Xavier several times in some of these issues, and I fucking love it. I'm like. Yo, did Scott just tell Charles Xavier to shut the fuck up and fall back and let us his Yo, team? He and throws I'll... him out of the house. Yo, he he throws him out of the house. And Scott, and Scott's like, you're not gonna. No, no, you gotta get out. <laughs> he kicks no, him out of his. Yo, he kicks him out of his own house. Yo, this is like my name's on the leash. You gotta get the fuck out. Yo, Nah, B, he good. What? And you he know good. what? Get He's out. not wrong on it though. Cause Charles and, and oh, oh like when we get into the uncanny event, uh, X Men run with Bendis, like in the the last will and testament of of, of Charles. Oh yeah, we'll get oh yeah 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 because yeah we'll get into that spicy 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 because <laughs> again you see that like mm, yes yeah, Cyclops is right on that one like he his well, referring what you're talking about at the end of all this in the midst of all this reflection and growth of Scott and, and disillusion. I mean, the mutant population is decimated. It's more than decimated. It's decimated means removal by 10%. It's gone from a burgeoning next generation, the next evolution of man, to 198 mutants left on Earth. Yeah, they're literally facing extinction. And so we get to Messiah Complex, which for me is, that's my beginning of my villain agenda for Scott Summers. Yeah. Because in the backups, in the lead up to Messiah Complex, there's backups in the book of Hank McCoy going to all these different brains in the multiverse who say there's no way to restart the mutant genome because not only are there 198 left, no new mutants are being born. Mm-hmm. And so Scott's pushed to a break that no leader of the mutant race has been before. But at this point, there is no, there, there's no Xavier, there's no Magneto. Right. All eyes are on the one-eyed man. Like, like you said, I, I, it's something we started at the beginning, and it, it bears repeating. The reason why I have the later in the in, in the runs, the the the, the I, I can't even call it a villain agenda because I don't see it as a villain. It agenda. turns villainous. Oh, it turns. All right, kind of, but like this is a man who's desperate more than Charles mm-hmm. Xavier and, and and Magneto have ever been. This is a man who literally, and, and, and it's one of those things that it, it really would piss me off when it's the one thing where I would see other other former X-Men get mad at Scott for what he's doing and not understanding why he's going so far. It's like, he is literally, and he says it all the time, I am literally fighting for the survival of our people. This is not like hyperbole like what, what, what Magneto would say or what, 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 what Charles and, like Charles and, and, and Eric would have these, these philosophical arguments of what could happen in the future. Cyclops Scott is dealing with what was happening now, which was like we're down to triple digits. digits. There are no more mutants being born. We are at desperation levels right now. So Messiah complex comes up decisions because now like you're talking about, we're in the space now where Scott starts making decisions, kill squads, X force. That's a kill squad. That's a decision. Yes. Uh, when 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 the baby is born in Alaska, this lady baby name lady name is Hope. Everyone rushes for her, and Scott goes to all sorts of ends to get this baby. Yes, and you get it to the point that he you was because we were talking about side comments to the point that he finds out that Cable is taking the baby. He tells he tells Wolverine, "Do what you have to do to get that child." And Wolverine's like, you mean, he's like, yes, 
Meaning, if you have to kill my son to get that child, you will kill my son. But he also, but you see later when he meets up with Cable, he's like, they couldn't take you. Right. <laughs> he's like, I, I just need the kid back. I, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, I know. right, right, right. Nathan, 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 I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know we're not going to be able to do this, but. You know. They weren't going to actually stop you. I just needed someone to slow you the fuck down, please. Yeah. You know, but it, but it's great. You get, uh, you, you, I you, love that moment though when he finally does get to see Nathan and gives him a hug. Yeah. It's, it's just, it, 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 it's one of those, you get him less and less now, but the softer side of Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he's able to stop being pragmatic for 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, but no, Messiah Complex are really great. And, and then they go to San Francisco and you get the uh, Dark Rain stuff and you really see Scott Summers as a leader because he rallies. Because when, when Norman Osborn and the Avengers come to take the island of um, Nation X, I believe they called it. Mm-hmm. He says, you got to have to kill us all. Yeah. And he, he led that race. He led, he becomes a rallying point for mutancy. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it was just, it was, it was a really good job to elevate. They did a really good job in this era of elevating Scott Summers. Yeah. I mean, even when we get to schism and we, we talk about what schism with him between him and, and, and Wolverine, like there were like, you understand it on both sides. Like they mm-hmm. both made yeah. decent. Everyone's points. got a point. Everybody's got a good point. Like it probably was a better civil war than civil war. Like, do you want to go back? Do you want to go straight to schism? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, we, that's the next big thing. Yeah, schism. Well, do you want to go back and finish the the Scott Summer stuff? I mean, the, the Alex Summer stuff with the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so Alex is in this crate in space. Yeah. So it went through and, uncanny as, as uncanny four seventy five to four eighty six gives you the first. The lead up to it, the uh, that's the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. That's you, Alex ending up in prison. Ending up in prison. Then you get uh, uh, his brother Gabriel basically becomes the emperor of the Shi'ar space. Empire. Yeah, basically space because because they're they're aggressively expanding. Yes. So you get X Men Emperor awesome Vulcan. To read like the things people talk like his advisors like don't do that. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> Are you gonna stop me? Well, no. Well, then fuck you. So. Yeah, so, so eventually Alex gets the power to get free, reunites, and the death of Corsair, he becomes the head of the Star Jammers. He becomes his father. It was basically, yes, Vulcan kills his father because fuck it, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he brings it to the fight. He brings a, like a, a man made of a son. And like, so unlike Scott and Alex, Gabriel and Alex's powers don't counteract each other. No, but Gabriel's stronger than him. But when Alex absorbs the man made of the sun, well, Alex will Alex brother's piece of shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, Alex beats the Both shit out of him. Both can stand toe to toe with the Phoenix, and Alex whips his ass. Right. I'm sorry. You know what's something I missed talking about Alex and X Factor? The second time we whipped the Hulk's ass <laughs> again in the Hulk's book. Only that time he points out that Mr. Ba- Dr. Banner, I absorb gamma radiation too. So as I'm blasting you, you're also getting weaker and I'm also getting stronger. If you don't stop, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Alex can, they do a really good job of, because of, of, uh, the, the coolest thing about how Alex breaks out of the prison is, he was absorbing the little bit of light that they would give when they open up. They <laughs> open would open the door to give him food. Yeah, they would open up the little slit to give him food under the door, 
and he would absorb a little bit of light outside of that every time. And he gets just enough power to break the door open. And then the guards are like, well, he doesn't have any more power. He's like, you want to you wanna bet? He whoops their ass without his powers. Like, it is, you forget, like, this is still Alex Summers. He can still whoop your ass. He's a trained X-Men. <laughs> Tra- yeah, right. He's a trained X-Men. They can fight. Without their powers. Like, eh. Yo, they got those collars from every corner now. You got to be able to fight. Right, you know, there's a guy. I mean, again, yeah, right. He went through the whole Genosha thing. It's like, yeah, man, come on, like, you know, we can fight without our powers. Um, so after um, the the War of Kings, Alex returns to Earth. Which, by the way, we, we got to do. So it, it goes the Uncanny X Men issues four seventy five to four eighty six. Then X Men Emperor Vulcan. Then X Men Kingbreaker. Then you get the War of Kings, like which we covered a little bit in the Inhumans book, which tells me. Right. We just need to do a War of Kings combo book club, which we will do. A Marvel Cosmic like three parter. Yeah, yeah. Because um, start with Annihilation and go on from there. Yeah, because that, that that ties in because Annihilation kind of goes into why the rest of the universe, why the rest of the, all the other it's nations such upheaval. Are, are such upheaval, and why the CR Empire is such a uh, powerful, unstoppable force at that time. So, um, yeah, so yeah, all that stuff, like all the stuff is taking place while uh, so Alex is literally becoming. You know, a hero and, and a cosmic hero and a space pirate, while um, his brother is um, becoming the face of the mutant resistance. <laughs> no, 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 that's a loaded phrase. He's at least keeping. He's at least the face of the, the mutants alive. And right. so, Alex comes back to Earth on the heels of Schism, which is a massive falling out between Logan and Cyclops over what the X Men should be. Should we be training these children to live in the world, or should we be training them to fight? And the shocking thing is that you don't you, the people you expect to be on the sides that they're on aren't where you expect them to be. Like Logan says, we should teach them. But the more surprising thing is, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, because Logan is oh, for all that we talk about Logan and, and what he is. Logan's oh, when you think about it, Logan's always been written to care about the kids. Always, he's always been there, a, a protector of the kids. And when you look at Scott, Scott is a kid that was raised to be a fighter. He was. He was raised. He was raised. Xavier raised an army. Raised his guy to lead his army. So it makes sense that Scott would be like, "No, these kids need to learn how to fight." And and Wolverine is like, "No, they should be out there learning how to play and learn how to let us do the fighting. Let them learn. Let them learn how to be kids." And, and the opening inciting incident of schism is harrowing. And as you read it, you see both sides. And yeah. that's one of the things about the X Men in the two thousands. People say, "Oh." Did it, the writing got really deft because you couldn't lean on the same old stories because they took Xavier Magneto off the board. They took the ideologues, the big figureheads of these ideas, they took them off the board and said, let's see what the ideas are in the wild. Well, and, and they dirtied them up a little bit. And, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of reminds me of what happened with The Last Jedi. Like, they they kind of took what you believed yeah. and they they turned on his head and it's like, you know, you know, what if Xavier wasn't the, the clean-cut guy we thought he was and what if he made a lot of, of, of bad questionable choices and Alex and the rest of the X-Men have to have oh, Alex uh, Scott and the rest of the X-Men have to clean up that mess and, and live in the world that's created by the, the fallout of what used to be Xavier versus Magneto. You, you, know? you could make a very real argument that the Scott summer story arc from 2005 onwards is a direct representation of the anger millennials feel towards baby boomers who've ruined the country. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so schism happens. Uh, Scott decides that he's going to have what he calls his extinction team, which honestly, if we're just naming things, 
That's not like top five. Like, let's workshop this. <laughs> the extinction team? Right. Ah, just not good branding. Um, he convinces Storm to stay on his side because look at who's on my side. I've got Magneto, the, the leader of Limbo, and Dr. Nemesis. I need someone to help me. <laughs> I need someone to make me not look like a bad guy. <laughs> Which, to be fair, not a bad pitch. Mm-hmm. And now we get to your finally, um, your moment where you get to hear about just how right Cyclops is. Talk about Avengers versus X-Men, Chris. All right. So, hold on. Uh, yeah. So, first of all, uh, again, I, I like the concept, overall concept. I get the overall concept of what they're doing with Avengers versus X-Men. Um, not sure about the execution all the time with it because it felt. I I didn't. They're trying to make you see that Scott was going too far, but at no point do I really ever get that in the book. Here so we go. so no, because basically what happens is this: the Phoenix Force is coming back, and Hope. The idea is that they're believing the Phoenix Force is coming back to bond with Hope, um, who was with the X Men on I, was it Utopia at that time, or was it still called yeah, it's, it's called Utopia, Utopia at the time? Um, and uh, the Avengers pick it up, and the Avengers go to Wolverine. It's like, hey, listen, you know, we're picking up this. What are we going to do? And, and Wolverine's like, well, I know where it's going to go. It's going to go to Hope, and we have to stop it. So uh, I also love that, like, that uh, Steve's like, I'm just going to talk to him, and Wolverine's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah he was, like, <laughs> again, we, we've been through this. It's not going to work. This is not how it's going to go. Um, so Captain America shows up. And is um and probably your favorite quote of all time from Cyclops. Huh? <laughs> you come to my home with a helicarrier full of Avengers. Right. Well, this is later on. Like, so what happens is um I'll, I'll read the two panels. It's basically the two pages, like uh Cyclops is saying to to Captain's like, she's a mutant, there's a mutant problem, we'll handle it. This is a mutant versus human problem. If she is the Phoenix's vessels, we need to take care of this. Cyclops says, one could argue the Phoenix coming here in the right vessel is maybe mutant kind's last best hope. And uh, Steve says, what? It's a force of rebirth, Cap, but maybe the rebirth of my people. Uh, Steve says, you're too close to it, Summers. Logan told me you'd have issues with me coming here. I was hoping you and I could come to an understanding man-to-man, leader-to-leader. I need you to trust me. Scott says, I'm too close to it. You're too far away from it, as you always (laughs) have been. It occurs to me, seeing you standing here, where were you for this? For the mutants. Except now when you need something. And, he's, and Steve says, respecting you, because fuck you, Steve. Uh, you want to have the discussion, fine, but it'll have to wait for another day. There's a destructive force heading towards Earth, and we have to figure out a way to stop it. Respectfully, get the hell off my island. <laughs> you, do, you do understand I wasn't acting. I understood that completely, and that's when the war starts, because Cyclops hits... Uh, <laughs> Steve with the blast, and that's when you find out there was a helicopter, a helicarrier cloaked above the island with all the Avengers on there, showing you that Steve was not showing up to ask. Or to, like you, you showed up for war already. She showed up to this man's doorstep, saying that I came to have a discussion with you, but you showed up for war. You, you didn't even get the fuck out of here. Like it's fucking bullshit. So they, 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 they go after uh, Hope, and the first, I guess. Five issues is everybody trying to find hope because hope leaves. Uh, uh, Wolverine goes after her, and um, 
she's convinced Wolverine to try to let her bond with it because she thinks that maybe she can control it. Wolverine sells her out to, and I think they're only, are they do they go to the, they go to the moon? They go to the moon. Fuck yeah, they go to the blue. They go to the, the blue. blue, blue this blue. is all about callbacks, man. Right. And uh, Wolverine sells her out to the Avengers, saying, "No, that's not going to work. It's not going to happen." And all right, so that that's a sellout move from Wolverine, right? Like that's no, he like was. the Avengers work. This is family, dude. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, here's the thing: Logan's wrong in here. Logan, Logan is wrong here. Logan forgot. Like Logan, bull, Logan did something that I would expect from Beast, because Beast com- clearly always sells out the fucking X Men. He does. Uh, Logan did that here, and. I, there's another reason why I didn't like this because I feel like as much as I didn't feel like this was Logan's character. Like to me, Logan would sell out the Avengers before he sold out the the X Men. This is family still. I know he has his problems with, with Scott, but I think it's because it was Scott. I, yeah, it's not. It's not even that. It, it's not even that he thinks he knows better than Scott because of the schism. It's not even that I disagree. He just thinks Scott's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So like he fought, like I think that more than anything, like the more like as we're talking about right now, like. I think he's just convinced that, yo, Scott's wrong, he's been wrong, and this is the biggest wrong he can be. Right. And so what happens is, so 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 what happens ends up happening is that the Phoenix Force gets split off, um, and it's it's going to go into hope. And again, this is not Scott's fault. This is Tony Stark and them. I think Tony Stark and Beast, they they hit it with some 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 something that they, they created. And, and Black Panther built the device. Yeah, and it splits the Phoenix Force. Instead of going into the Hope, it goes into uh, Scott, Emma, Namor, Colossus, and uh, Ilyana. Magic. Magic. Yeah. And so the, the Force is supposed to go into her, especially all the five of them. And it became, they became the Phoenix Five. And they, each of them have a piece of the Phoenix Force in them. And um, it basically turns into what happened with... Uh, the Thor issue with uh, Gods on Earth, uh, where mm-hmm. uh, they make peace. Yo, can I be real? Yeah. Nothing. I don't know why. Like at a certain point, like oh, they, maybe they were right. Well, so and I think that's where that's where I, I have a problem with what happens after this is. And 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 I, I guess where they were trying to suggest it, and they kind of start showing it later on. That the Phoenix Force corrupts, and so eventually yeah. they start the, the host start going crazy. But here's the thing: I, to me, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. They only go crazy after the Avengers keep attacking them. Like the Avengers make their first move. Like once the, the they have the Phoenix Force, they've they 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 are bringing food, water. They're ending violence. They're doing all this stuff. Everything's going fine. And at one point, I'll, I'll give it to him. This is where Beast actually does the right thing. Beast says he's done because he's like, you guys are still trying to kill them and stop them. Why? There's no evidence that they're doing anything wrong here. Maybe they're right. And they keep saying no, and they keep forcing this. So at one point, the Avengers show up, and they try to kidnap. Uh, they try to grab Hope while they're um, from a Utopia. And this is what launches off the second wave of Avengers versus X-Men in this series. And this is where it goes downhill. But I'm like, the Avengers caused this. They literally show up and invade <laughs> the home of the X-Men to kidnap a, a, a mutant. Had they never done that, who knows? Maybe the, the corruption would still have happened. But up until this point, we had seen no signs of that. 
And I think that was the problem that I had with the writing. I think they were trying to show that the, the, the Phoenix Force eventually corrupts. And they do later on show that with um, Namor going Namor, off and, yeah. and, and basically destroying Wakanda with the Phoenix Force. Uh, uh, even with Ileana and um, with Magic and, 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 and uh, Colossus, like when Colossus was uh, like, had created the whale, gave uh, whales the legs. Because he was like, I thought they would want a leg and stuff like that. You can see that they're they're kind of crazy and stuff like that. Yeah, they're losing it. Um, when when Emma shows up and and kills that one man because at one point twenty years ago he had killed a mutant and didn't say anything. Like they should. But here's the thing: none of that showed Scott. Scott did none of that the entire time. Scott is telling the other four to calm it down. Like Namor is the one trying to tell we should go and we should end all the X Men. Scott, uh, and all the Avengers. Scott's God like, originally says don't touch them at all. Yeah, Scott says no, leave them alone. They're just confused. Like, don't do that. Emma's like, I can, I can do it. It's like, no. Like, Scott is the only one telling them people not to do any of this shit. And they keep coming for him. So, like, he's not, he wasn't wrong in any of this. At one, at, you can make a strong argument that all Scott does is defend himself. And they keep uh, pushing. At the end. Now once he takes, once he steals Emma's power, like he, at a certain point, it stops being defense. Well, even at that point where he takes, when he take, when it's down to him and Emma, and he takes Emma's force, they were attacking him. He was still under attack. Like, like they had all this. Like I don't know, man. Like it's, and maybe well, it comes down, that, maybe he, come down to the writing. Uh, he, he, after because what happens is they take Namor. Yes, and. They take it and then Colossus and Magic take each other out. And so once it's the two of them, he's coming after, he's the one who comes after them because he breaks into Kunlun. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But that's because, I mean, at this point, so remember before then, that because they, they had this stuff, uh, this after they had came and they, they took hope. He's like, Scott, what what do you do? He's like, no, every they didn't time- take hope. She, she agreed to leave. Yeah, you're right. Well, this is still after they attacked. They, ta- they attacked. I know, but hold on. But that's, I think that's very important too, is that hope, Hope left of her own volition. Right. She did. She did. Um, this is every time, Emma, every time we get pushed into a corner, they'll never stop coming. We have been feared, hunted, and we have been endangered. We have so very few, and so they keep coming for us. Now, even at our most powerful, even when we do our do the favor of remaking the earth into a more livable place, even then, mankind feels bold enough to send their heroes here to steal our innocent, to take away our tomorrow. I finally figured out why it's them. Men know that regardless of their endless sins against mutants, their heroes will protect them. They will do what their leaders think needs to be done. I will tolerate it no longer, Emma. It changes now. No more Avengers. I, he's right. He's right. But up until that point, they like after everything, you would think that when you give five mutants the power of the Phoenix Force, after everything that humanity has done, to mutants, they would wipe out humanity. They didn't. They didn't. Scott didn't. He didn't want that. He just wanted rebirth for his people. And they still sent Captain America and the Avengers to attack them because it still wasn't enough. And I can definitely see... Yo, there's a very real fear. The Phoenix wasn't just coming oh. up benevolently. It was wiping out worlds on the way. Oh, no. Hey, listen, listen. I, I get it. I get it. I do. I, I totally do. That's a very real and actionable fear. It's not uh, like, it's a real oh, fear. they say they've got it, just back off. No, it, it, it's a real fear. 
but they also did it preemptively. So it's one of those things like, okay, I mean, I can, I, I, again, I, I get both sides of this. I get both sides. <laughs> there, there are good people, there, there are good people on both sides. Um, let's talk about consequences, you asshole. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, is, well, I, I want to get to Alex in a second, but this is where it kind of all starts to work together again. Consequences is, uh, uh, was it three issues, four issues? Oh, I didn't get the consequences. Stop behind bars. Oh, before we even get that, he kills Xavier. Oh, well, fe- yeah. Well, that's the big thing there is, which again, I, I and this is one of those ones oh, where. yo, do not. Do. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't going to give a villain agenda on this one. I'm just saying. Uh, I was going to say that, I was actually going to say that part of this is what we were saying before about, you know, them coming at, at Scott. But I think a lot of this also was a one time when this was Scott's anger at everything Xavier has done and that smug, you know, arrogance of Xavier at this point finally That's took fair. a, finally took Scott over the edge. It did. I, I believe it did. Like, and I'll say this, and I've always believed this. I, and this is so weird that I've thought this much about a fictional character. It was a mistake, but he set himself up to make the mistake. Yeah. It's yeah. Scott's fault. Yeah. He says, the ego on you. I finally put the world the way it's supposed to be. I did it. I did it. Me. And it kills you. Uh, you sit as judge jury of the human race, even though I specifically taught you patience. And no, you sat in that chair of yours for years and did nothing. Instead of praising me for my bold vision, instead of thanking me for saving our people, you come here and threaten me. Shame on you. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. You want to say it? Just say it. Why are you saying it? I'm not going to say it. He was right. Um, so consequences. I loved it. It's a collection of stories of, of Scott behind bars mm-hmm. meeting a new mutant because in the end, when he lost the powers, when they dissipated the Phoenix force, mutant burst started again. And, and yo, that the scene, so be the end of, uh, AVX 12, where he's talking when they have him in the cell and he's talking to cap and Cap is like, you did all. He's like, yo, listen, I told you it was going to be a rebirth. It's like, don't you, don't you dare call this a win. It's like, well, which, and this is the other thing too. That, and this is the other thing too that kind of threw me off too. And I felt weird about, again, it's just, I, I feel like AVX, I think could have been a lot. I, I get the overall concept of it and it makes sense. Some of the execution kind of gets me because right. to me, it should have been more than Scott in jail. Like I didn't understand that. Like, if you're gonna put Scott in jail for what happened at the end of AVX, how do you well, not Scott's put the only one they caught? Huh? So that was something that was carried out throughout the line. Everyone else was kind of scattered. Okay. I I feel like like how like did Namor got in the way? Namor was in hiding. Colossus was like they they caught Colossus in um cable and X Force because mm-hmm. he was like he was caught between uh a metal and, and flesh. Gotcha. Like everyone's powers were broken. Yeah. So um that was the thing that got me. It was like, yo, like, you, you, okay, you guys are going to put out all the blame. Well, Scott's on Scott. the one they got, and the other X-Men, other mutants had come to the other side by the end. Right. So, um, which I also thought that was kind of whack that you guys. No, I like that. that was the oh, you meant that they shifted? Yeah, just like, you guys are fucking at, like, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of ungrateful motherfuckers at the end of this. If I, if you know, I was, sir, if I was Scott. one man have all that power? If I was Scott, I would have turned into uh, what, uh, uh, Denzel watching the end of fucking training day. <laughs> Shoe program. 
24 hour lockdown for the cases of all you motherfuckers. Like, I would have been so fucking pissed at everybody else. But Scott being Scott looks at the brighter side, goes, Hey, New Mutant Burst, I won. How can one man have all that power? You had to be stopped. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It worked, though. Anyway, wow. It worked. Wow. Did, did New Mutant Burst start coming? Did wow. they or did they not? Are his people saved? Anyway. I'm just asking questions, man. I'm just asking questions. So, oh, two of the last people to visit Scott and Joe before a surprise, he broke out. Wolverine, who gave the eulogy at Xavier's funeral in the Uncanny Avengers 1, which mm-hmm. is pretty nice. Really well done, I thought. Yes. Because he says we failed. Yeah. We failed because now the dream is Scott Summers' crazy ass. He's like, I should pop a claw on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also at this moment, Alex Summers is giving the reins of the of of the newest Avengers team. Yes, the Uncanny Avengers. And if you thought the self doubt was going to go away, <laughs> in the words of Lorna Dane, just wait, because. <laughs> Yeah, he's Alex Summers, who, like we just said, was just became a space badass, is now boxing around Captain America, Thor, Wasp, Wonder Man, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And it does not go smoothly because their first villain is the Red Skull with Charles Xavier's brain. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah. was morbid as shit. Yeah, that oh, the, the, the image. There's not like, oh, is the de- is the is the old man buried yet? Great, grab a shovel. <laughs> right, yeah, dig his body up. Yeah, <laughs> like just immediately, just oh, and they've got to find a way to. It's not just stop the desecration of Charles Xavier's literal memory, but to fight the growing anti mutant hysteria and to keep the team together. And it's really interesting. Because the end of the series, it's kind of a there's, a, there's a great little use of time travel, but it continues from the Apocalypse story arc from Uncanny Avengers. But part of it has Alex and Janet Van Dyne raising a daughter together in, a, in a, an idyllic mutant future. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the story, Alex gets burned by, I think it's like whatever, like chronal plasma or something. And to this day, they've kept that burn in the books, which means that that child still exists which means this actually happened, which means, wow, what a story. And uh, it's interesting to watch Alex's journey in Uncanny Avengers because he goes, he's, the, 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 the insecurity never goes away. No, of course not. But you watch like, him pull off plans that he bosses around Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. It's Alex Summers, just something you never thought you'd say. Well, well, you can talk about them, Candy, because Scott Summers has started the school again. Yeah. Uh, so um, you get Uncanny X Men. He starts. He starts his own. Uh, he starts school again. Starts training. Uh, he becomes the face of the mutant resistance, if you will. Mutant, mutant revolution. Uh, he gets a new costume, which I like. The, I like the red and black one. I, I did with the giant X across his face, of having with one big visor. Um, and. Um, I was very lukewarm on that. I liked it because it communicated how broken his powers were. Mm-hmm. 
But it also made that it meant that every time I saw his powers drawn in the comic book, they were drawn differently. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't say I didn't say it logically made sense how it worked. I'm just saying I like the way the costume oh, looks. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see out of that. No, you can't, you can't see out of it. It doesn't make any sense how his powers work. Yeah, no, no. So, um, you know, Emma's powers are broken. Uh, so are Magneto's. I believe everybody gets their, their powers eventually get fixed correctly. Because at one point they yeah. even, they even mentioned that. Because uh, uh, in, uh, in the beginning of Uncanny, it, it starts with uh, this mysterious m- person talking to Maria Hill about uh, Cyclops and about how, yo, he doesn't even have his powers. He's doing all this stuff. He doesn't have his powers. And you find out later on it's Magneto. Um, and Because uh, Magneto's not exactly happy with Alex at this point, <laughs> which makes or sense. Scott, yeah. Or Scott, yeah. I mean, uh, Scott at this point, it makes sense. Um, the, 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 the issues that made the most sense to me were the uncanny X-Men, uh, 23 to 31. And these are the last will and testament of tell Xavier. I, I stood and applauded at the end. I was like, Brian Michael Bendis gets and loves and appreciates X-Men. Right. So what you, you find out? And I think the, the name of the, the, the new Omega level mutant was Matthew McAvoy or Mavoy or something like that. I can't remember exactly yeah. what his name is. And this 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 character finds out that he he has the superpowers. He's a new Omega level mutant is on everybody's radar, and you find out in uh, while this is going on, this is in present day. You then find out at the same time they find out that that Charles Xavier had a last will and testament, and um, call and it calls. I think most of the original X Men and some of the other ones, like I think Kitty's there and some others. They all have to be present while while uh, uh, She Hulk Jennifer reads the. Um, the last one of the Testament that includes Scott. So they have to bring Scott in on this or they can't read it. So they finally bring it in and Wolverine the entire time is going, he's going to leave, he, he's going to leave the school to the mansion to, to Scott. Like could, he never no would have imagined. thought that someone had killed him. Right. No way you thought that Scott would have gone this far. And, um, but the first thing in the, in, in the, the, the thing is that it's, it's Xavier admitting that what he did with Matthew and what it was, you find out is, he had at one point back. Oh, goodness, when did this happen? The the the, the X Men were out on another mission. He he gets this. Uh, he's using Cerebra, and he finds out that there's a new mutant, that he's more powerful than he's ever seen before. And he goes to confront this young kid, and he finds his kid has destroyed his house and has pretty much has killed his parents. And he's finding new ways of trying to talk to this kid, and he has to. Um, Go to this kid. He can't go to himself. He has to go. He has to make a manifestation of himself as a little child to talk to this kid. And he's finding new ways of putting blocks in so this kid can forget that he's a mutant. Um, and he continues to check on this kid throughout the years. As the kid gets older in college, he does it again. Kid figures out that he's not real. That the 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 the, the, the child figure that 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 Xavier has made is not real. Uh, Xavier comes to him and is like, listen, you know, you're, you're super power, more powerful than you than I've ever seen before. Um, this is what I did. And the kid again tells him, it's like, well, make sure I don't remember. Don't forget. And so what, what Xavier reveals in the, 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 um, the, uh, uh, and he did the, the first thing he did when he first was blocking this, this kid mutant, mutant powers is he did it without his consent. Like he did it because he had to, he kept it secret from everybody else. And this is revealed in the last one testament. And 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 Scott is rightfully upset. He goes, he's being a hypocrite. He, he was the entire time he was telling us not to do this kind of stuff, he was doing it himself. This is more proof of what I was saying about Charles Xavier, right? And Scott is not happy. And they decide that they have to come together and they have to stop this 
this this this mutant. Uh, figure it out. And Scott decides that there's another alternative. They can teach this mutant how to control his powers. Like Scott is seeing this 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 new mutant as somebody who's powerful enough that if they can get him to control his powers, they can get him to understand it, that he can be a great mutant deterrent so that, you know, nobody will ever mess with mutants again. Um it does not go well. Uh what ends up and, and again, I wanna say it also doesn't go well because one Magneto attacks them, two uh shield attacks as well and blows everybody up. Uh so this is part of the reason why it doesn't work. Uh Matthew ends up killing Scott. Well, no, Shield ends up killing Scott and Magic. Uh, he ends up killing uh, Matthew. Ends up killing uh, Emma by accident. And one of the mutants at at, at uh, Scott's school has to go through time and basically goes and talks to Charles Xavier um, in the past, who was kind of upset that this, this this mutant has done this. But I'm like Charles, like, you you do this shit all the time. What the fuck's wrong with you? you like you're. You have no right to, to lecture anybody. Time travel's a different beast, though. It is a different beast. I get that. Um, beast. <laughs> Funny you mentioned <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting choice of words. And um, long story short, she uh, what ends up happening, her and, 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 and the Professor X in the past go and make it so that Matthew's parents don't meet, so he's never born. And Which so, is so fucked up. It's completely fucked up. And she comes back and she tells... Scott would have me. He's like, "Listen, I saved you. You were you were, you were going to turn this mutant into uh, a, a weapon or, or to a deterrent for you on your side. You're you know, uh, I made it so it didn't happen. I could do this to you. I made it so his parents didn't meet, so that he could never be born. I could do the same to you. So just keep that in mind." She quits school. At the same time, I'm kind of going, "You're mad at Scott," but I'm like, "Yo, Scott still wasn't wrong on that case, yo. Like, he was wrong. The, the hubris is what." Oh no no the, like, the, yeah okay I get you that one yeah so that was just saying like of course like being so ideological to say that Charles was wrong for doing it's like no motherfucker that was the only option right right this guy is April like there's a, there's a line I think in one of the opening stanzas it's it's about it's Marie Hill talking about saying that Tony Stark and Nick uh, Fury said there was only two things that kept them up at night and this is one of them right uh, I will say that up with superpower go ahead. One of the things I like about what they've done with Scott and, and what they've done, it, it kind of mirrors what's... So the original Charles and, and Eric thing, uh, Professor X and Magneto thing was, you know, Malcolm X, you know, in, 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 in MLK. What I like what they did with uh, Scott is they kind of elevate, changed the, the conversation, kind of what the conversation we're having now in terms of civil rights talks, which is how far is too far? Like, we all want... You know, we, you at some point you have to make these compromises, and what you see is Scott saying that we, sh- you know, we shouldn't have to, Charles Xavier shouldn't have made these compromises. When we look at what Scott Xavier, uh, Charles Xavier did, while he can't be on the high and mighty, uh, high moral horse, a lot of his decisions, I also wouldn't say were necessarily wrong. He made You're tough, right. distort, tough decisions and compromises that he had to make. And I think what you're seeing is kind of like, again, in, in current life today, a lot of people, when they talk about things, they want pure cans, they want people that are perfect, they don't want to compromise. And I'm like, that's not how the world works. That's and not I, how any of this works. Right. And if there's anything that's, if there's one big problem with uh, Scott, it's that, is that he goes from understanding that compromises have to happen to understanding that there's no compromises. It's all mutant lives matter. And, there's n- there's nothing else, 
And that's good on paper, but when you try to put it into actual actions, it it just doesn't work. And this is and, and like you said, this story is the one that shows that. It's that listen, the only option here was either to kill this mutant or to make sure he was never born. There was no there was no other choice. He was just too powerful. Yeah, he was never gonna be the deterrent you wanted him to be. He was always going to be a serious fucking problem. And and it wasn't any fault of his own. It wasn't like he was doing it on purpose. He had no way of controlling right. his powers. And and him not controlling his powers means people are dead. So um so we get that. Uh, we can skip over the 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 um, the all new event, the all new X Men stuff where where they bring in the the younger version of himself. Yeah, like we're gonna skip. Those aren't the same characters. I do want to talk about the issue. There's a post one. I want. Sorry, I want to pull it up really quickly here. It's in it's in the tail end of um. This is it. The tail end of that uncanny uh, X Men run issue thirty two when Alex comes and visits him at the base. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where did everybody go? Oh, that's right. Because Scott, at the end of end 31, when they reveal that, yes, the school was given to Scott, Scott hand, hands it back over to, to, to Wolverine, and he then ends his school and sends all of his young mutants over to Wolverine's school, to the Jean Grey school. He's like, we're, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm closing my school. He kind of admits that he was wrong in that, in that respect. Exactly. But you also, I love that there's a little scene before that where, uh, Firestar's talking like you have to like appreciate where he's coming from. He had a nervous breakdown. He accidentally killed his father. Mm-hmm. Like, like all of this is him lashing out and trying to figure out who he is in, in this new paradigm, and that's what he's done. Right. And while that's and and while that's all sensitive and right and good, I also am like Bobby, like fuck him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I get where where when when Drake says you do that again, I'll freeze your colon. Right. <laughs> it's a great threat. But no, uh, issue 32 is just a great... It's Scott now, Alex. It's just two of them mm-hmm. in the base. And it's, it's, it's Scott talking about turning himself in and Alex trying to talk him out of it. And there's a, there's a, um, a scene here. I wish you would take a day and think about it. I have. I've taught myself out of this every day since it happened. I, I am in, in responsible at least in part for the death of of Charles Xavier. If I don't stand up and t- accept the blame finally, publicly, sincerely, I'm the everything bad they say about us. Us? Mutants. I'm using my powers to do whatever I want. To whomever I am. Wow. Was that what was what was in that will? He left me everything. Oh. Like I was his son. You were. Well, it was an accident, Scotty. And you're gonna you're gonna let them crucify you for it. And for the life of me, I can't understand it. Because I realized I deserved it. What the hell is wrong with us? Aliens kidnapped our parents and killed our mom in front of us. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then our power set made us prize the human world before we could. No, I know. I was being rhetorical. Oh, okay, but I'm right. No, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> been this, like, people say they need an X-Men. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then it, it's so, it's it's just a great, I love this issue because it breaks down what the 32 issues of, of Cyclops have been hinting at. Right. Because in Alex is to ask the questions. What was it? What? The mutant revolution. Did it happen and I missed it? The whole time I was leading the Avengers, I was bracing myself for that call. Your brother's taking over the White House. Your brother's taking a helicarrier and crashing the UN. And then I have to choose sides. And I was going to have to choose to fight you or join you. I'd probably join you because I hate fighting you. (laughs) 
Yeah. What was it, Scott? What was the revolution supposed to be? He said it was our last chance. Did, did you see this? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, it's just so interesting to have them look into Cyclops' psyche. Right. It was no. our last chance. Right, exactly. We fought for them and they hate us. We fought alongside them and they kill our children in the street. We pack up and move to an island and they destroy it. We move on from, we move to another one of the fucking Avengers storm the fucking beaches. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the next step in human evolution that we become an endangered species. We're everything that they're not and we're a shadow of our former selves. Right. So all we have left are threats. The threat of revolution, the threat of a fight that we hope they don't want. So yes, I got in front of that any camera that was showing my face. I looked the world in the eye and told them they better leave us alone. I stood on the bridge of the hell carry and I threatened it because nothing else has worked. It's a it's a desert again. It's a desperate man for a desperate time. Xavier I, is gone. Logan is gone. I watched Xavier die at my feet and thought if I didn't do something to kickstart it, then the dream really truly is dead. I forgot. Yeah, Logan died before him, didn't he? Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, damn yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot I forgot that timeline worked that way where Wolverine died before uh, Cyclops before Death of X. Like it's it, crazy, man. It it's like to, to see it all in black and white at the end of the run. I'm like anyone who talked bad about this run missed this issue. Oh no 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 no! It, it like it's again. I, I and the, and this the only downside I've ever had is I never got like Wolverine. I got. I never got a good explanation from any of the other mutants as to why they didn't understand the way of the world that, that Scott was face was was feeling. Like Because it, they still wanted to have the they still want it's the same reason why uh Namor left the Illuminati. They wanted to be heroes still. Right. And and, and I think that's the thing that like at, at some point you don't understand And you Scott recognized he couldn't be a hero anymore. Yeah, you're not you, you somebody had here's the thing. Scott made himself a bad guy so everybody else can can be fine. He made himself the bad guy, you know? <laughs> he did what he had to do. So, yeah. Um, then they killed him. Yeah, and then you get Death of X, which... So the thing about Death of X, it was really great until I found out at the end that he died in the first <laughs> issue. And I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. You, you literally had him go out like the worst. And <laughs> that's, like, terrible. And you, So basically you find out that the Terrigen is killing, uh, is, is deadly to mutants. Um... And you, the first issue has Scott and them walking in it, and Scott's coughing. He collapses, and you don't think anything of it. He comes back out with Emma. The next three issues, you see him leading Scott leads the fight, leading the fight to destroy the last um, Terrigen cloud. And you, you know what? Something should have something should have told me that it wasn't Scott, really Scott, when he let Alchemy die. Because he called him a soldier, and I'm like, that's not Scott, though. Even with everything he's doing now, right. Scott wouldn't have done that. Because again, Scott's right. whole thing about is keeping mutants alive. He wouldn't have wanted to sacrifice that one mutant just to Not do even that. One. Not even one. Like they can't afford to lose one. So what you end up finding <laughs> out is that it was Emma was Scott had died in issue one, and that Emma had been doing this projection of Scott. And so what? Um, so uh, 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 when Scott in issue four, when Scott walks into the cloud to face off against uh, Black Bolton is killed. Black Bolt isn't really killing Scott. He's killing just a projection that Emma has been projecting out there. Scott died four issues ago 
you know, you know, <laughs> unceremoniously. unceremoniously in a fucking cloud, which I thought was a terrible way to go out for everything he's been going for. It, but it it leads into Avengers versus uh, uh, Inhumans and things like that. And but yeah, it just I, I will say this: um, there's a book on the shelves today. It's not called Gene Ray Resurrection. It's called Phoenix Resurrection. Do they bring back Scott? I, I, I'm not. What do you do now? What? I'm just. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing because I'm like you have the to. Last day, Summers picks up Jean Grey for a day. Good. Good. Because like you need. I need to bring that Scott back. I'm sorry. You need to bring. You need to. I. I, I don't. I, I like young Scott. Like I, I think that, again, but he's a different character. That's why I don't really different miss character. him here. Completely different character because of the experiences he went through. Um, that stuff is still good. Don't don't get me wrong; it's still good. But all those young X Men are completely different from the the ones you know. They're not your daddy's X Men. <laughs> they're not, <laughs> or your mommy's X Men. They're not. So, That's a great tagline, though. They're not, and so. Um, but Scott is, yeah. I don't know, man. It, it's it's tragic. Like I said, like he's had his fucked up moments, but like the wars to end, you understand what Scott was going through because again, the weight of the world. He's the weight of his man. The 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 weight of. No, I'm sorry. The weight of the world. The weight. The weight of his human of of his race. The weight of his. He's the only one that seemed to understand. One hundred and ninety eight. They're mutant bursts now. They're mutants popping popping up all over the place again. Thanks to Scott. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> uh, and Alex is still around in the Uncanny. Is he still in Uncanny Avengers? Ooh, Alex is. Remember, he's popping up in Blue working with. Uh, yes. Emma. Yes. So he says he owes it to Scott. Oh god! Which, if he starts dating Emma, and I'm like, dude, no, if no, you no, don't, no. I think I think, <laughs> I think they're they're building. They're doing one of those long like. Reveal a piece of the uh, villain's plan one one page an issue mm, over yes. in blue. Gotcha. So I think that's where we're going to see that play out. Okay, gotcha. He's appeared there. He showed up in Secret Empire as part of the cabal um, of of Emma's inner circle. Mm-hmm. But that's all tied to the, like the the Black Sun stuff they're doing in blue. Yeah. So, um, so anything else on this one, man? We we I think we did too. No, much. this is um this is a lot of fun because I got to reread stories. Not just about Cyclops, but about also my favorite X-Man. And I, I own all Mutant X, so I'm just going to go read that later. Yeah, to read all that. Uh, we we kind of, still we went like two hours, maybe two and a half, and we still condensed a lot. Oh, we condensed so much. <laughs> we condensed like, so yeah, much. Just hand wave the time apocalypse possessed Cyclops. Yeah, well, because you also don't need to read it. It's not I know. I'm just saying, it's just a funny thing that that for most character corners, that'd be like a defining character. Yeah. For for the Archangel one, that's most of the show. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. It's a huge part there. So. Um, yeah. We read all that. I think we all even went over extinction. We hand waved extinction agenda too. So. I did. Uh, yeah, we did. Kind of. <laughs> we got to did because it was just it's too it's too much. We we mentioned it, but we didn't really go into it. It's just it's so much. Time. And also because, and not to bemoan the '90s or do anything bad with the '90s. It's just the writing on these characters is so much more adult. Yeah, post 2001. It, it just is. It is. And there's a there's a there's a linear character arc for Scott Summers from Astonishing onwards. Yeah. Because Astonishing is put away the black leather. We're starting to scare people. Let's go be heroes again. And from that point forward, the world betrays Scott Summers so much. It's to be argued. You're right. He could have gone crazier. Yeah. 
Like he could have, he could have really. This I was, is why. This I, why I, I was, I was very much like unsure about how I felt about it until I read the issue with Alex. Yeah, like I, I, he's I, like, I, I didn't know what to do. Is a man, is a man in the ropes? Like this is like, the, like, man. This is why I can't even give him a, a full villain agenda, even though he does some villainous shit sometimes. Magneto went full villain agenda. Scott never does. Scott basically right. is like Scott basically becomes a foil. He's like, listen, if they're aiming at me, they're not aiming at you guys. I, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to be that person. But then why so, get the then why get the kids? Mm-hmm. Well, I also why I, start a well, school. Well, I will I will say that, I, and I think that's when he realized he was wrong in that one. But I will say I think he de- I think he definitely did believe that. I think he definitely believed. That he had to train the kids. I don't think he was wrong in that one. And I think that was definitely something like that's where I look at the schism and I'm like, they're no, they're not. I'm not talking about schism. I'm talking about um, if he decides that I want to point the gun pointed at me, and after Phoenix Five, why start a school? I think he still believes. I think he still believes that they have to, that they need to train these. They need to train the new mutants. Like I, I think he definitely believed that. And 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 it goes back to what you were saying also before about uh, when Vindiver Dexman. I think him and him and him and that the schism between him and, and Logan was real. That they really became like, and it sucks because you read in Skibs and you realize how close they had become as friends. They really res- trusted each other, and they really trusted each other. That betrayal of both of them, I think, stung both of them, and oh, yeah. and, and they're both alphas, and so they're both ego. They're not gonna both. They're not gonna both come together on that one. And I think. Did you read the Choosing Sides one shot? No. It's really good. You should look it up. It's it's how everyone decides to go with who they go with. Oh, actually, no, I did. I did. I okay, did. good. Like did. when he when he offers Bobby the beer. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe you came with me first. <laughs> You're such a softy. He's like, Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. So it's just like that's that's the thing. I think I think that's what I think that's what happened. There there definitely is some ego there between him and, and Logan. And I think oh, that yeah. it, I think I think I think I think if him and Logan didn't split, things would have gone a lot differently. Yeah. Because, because then, because what what would have happened was Logan would have been there to tell Scott, "You're going too far. This is something I would do. This is not something you would do." And I think Logan, I think I think Scott would have listened. Um, and it might not have gone the way it went, but um, yeah, no, great characters. Like again, so you know, we had people ask us in the mailbag for for X Men issues. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to read here, guys. Plenty of stuff to check out here. So, um. Next character corner will be in 2018, and we're doing Lex. I think we're doing DC stuff, so I think we're going to do Lex Luthor. So stay, right. stay tuned. So, uh, damn, it is after midnight, and I know we're both tired. We have to work tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, we're going to end this right now. Make sure you guys subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. It's uh, Character Corner. Uh, also follow us on uh, YouTube, youtube.com, slash MTR Network, or just go to the site, mtrnetwork.net. Um, thank you guys very much for listening and we will be back in 2018 enjoy the new year so be safe talk to you guys later peace peace